The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. So, Mrs. Rogan sends me this video. She goes, uh, have you seen this? Like, what do you think about Gaza? What's going on with Gaza? What, what, what is your take on this? And she sends me a video of you. <laughs> and I said, that's my friend, Abby Martin, who took this very controversial stance. And... Um, it's this is a tricky situation, isn't it? Like Gaza's first of all, it's sad and depressing and disgusting, but it's also very tricky because there's all this, this weird biases that that are going on left and right. You know, there's the United States has this weird bias where they're criticizing Israel and then Israel's like, Hey fuckheads, didn't you guys bomb the shit out of Iraq? Didn't you bomb the shit out of Afghanistan? You guys are talking about innocent civilians being killed? Like what about you? And then there's also people on the Palestinian side that think it's just fucking horrendous what Israel's doing. And then there's people on the Israeli side that think Hamas just signed the peace treaty and stopped training suicide bombers. You know, there's, in my opinion, when I look at it, and I, I'm obviously not qualified to be some sort of a political analyst, but when I look at it, uh, I try to look at it objectively, the whole thing looks like a, just a disaster. Like right. a huge humanitarian disaster. I like, think it's one of the largest humanitarian issues in the world today. And I think that we're going to look back in 50 years and um, really just criticize how abominable the entire situation is. And the fact that the world the world isn't turning a blind eye. The U.S. is turning a blind eye. Um, you know, you say that, that I took a controversial position, but really... It isn't controversial in my mind because I'm looking at this oppressed population that's imprisoned. Mm -hmm. When I grew up, Joe, I didn't even know, first of all, what Palestine was. And then when finally when I learned about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, even though it's really one-sided, um, I started to learn about what Gaza actually is. And I think a lot of people don't even understand when they hear the word Gaza what they're talking about. It's really what we're talking about is an open-air prison, 45-mile strip of land, completely closed off. Egypt's closed their borders. CC's just fucking sucking the dick of Netanyahu, totally working together. Netanyahu shut off. Um, the IDF has closed off all the other borders. It's totally under siege. There's 1.8 million people living in that close quarters. It's one of the most densely populated places on earth. So whenever you have this bombing campaign, people are going to die in mass. And when they say that they're using human shields, that's complete fucking bullshit. I haven't seen one shred of evidence to sh prove that they're using human shields. In fact, if you look back at the last 60 years of U.S. military conflicts, they've used that term to demonize populations whenever they want to make it seem like this population doesn't value human life. You're telling me Palestinians don't value their child's life? That they're going to throw their kids out and guard missiles? All I've seen is cartoons. From, mm -hmm. from Netanyahu, these infographics that show people standing on a house with missiles underneath. Total fucking bullshit. This place has been under siege for years. Yes, they may have said that they pulled their troops out in 2007. It's under siege. They, the Israeli health officials said that they're, they try to put them on a diet. So they only allow basic staples in. They claim because they don't want the Palestinians to be making weapons. Pasta, paper, chocolate, anesthetics, wheelchairs. This is the shit that people can't get. Inside Gaza. They're keeping them gluten-free. <laughs> Keep them low. It's been shown to reduce hostility. Um, the, uh, there was a documentary once on suicide bombings, and uh, they had this Palestinian school, and they had this sign over the school that said, Today's children are tomorrow's holy martyrs. 
and they had this child that was strapped up with uh, C4, and they had this picture of this kid that had died in a suicide bombing, and uh, they were praising him like he was some sort of a, a you know a, a saint, you know, because he he died executing this uh, suicide Well, just like we plan. praise soldiers who go and drop white phosphorus from a plane. You mm-hmm. know, what's, what's more manly? Like, when you're, when you're driven to zero, when you have nothing left, that's when people blow themselves up. It's not mm-hmm. because it's a culture of martyrdom. It's because they have fucking nothing. And they don't have the industrial warfare capabilities to drop depleted uranium. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not taking a side. I'm right. Not, but what I'm saying is that it's, uh, it's an incredibly complicated situation. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I don't know what would Israel do to, to like, alleviate tensions at this point. Once, like, how many thousands of people have died so far in o- this? Over 1,500 at this 1500. point. 1,500. Yeah. Jesus Christ. 30% and, children. Yeah. I've seen photos. Anthony Bourdain tweeted some awful photo of these children on the beach that had been bombed. And one kid was dead. Another kid was being carried away. Most likely dead, it looked like, by all the blood and everything. It was just... It's it's so depressing. It's so awful. And if you if you could objectively stop the whole scene and say, "All right, what, what is a way to fix this? What is a way to uh, alleviate this this horrible conflict?" What is it? Is there a way? Well, I think up until now, people have been saying the two-state solution is a possibility. You had the Palestinian Authority working with the Israeli government. Hamas has negotiated before. It's not that they're like ignoring Israel. Um, and of course, there's a lot of problems with Hamas, and I'm not going to sit here and apologize for them. They're really I don't I don't agree with anything that they want to see happen, but I understand why Palestinians have um, aligned themselves with this group because the Palestinian Authority failed so much and they capitulated so much to Israel. So they basically turned to the more militant faction of the leadership, saying, "Fucking do something! At least you guys are resisting." Right. Because to them, it's an occupation, and under the UN Charter, it's an occupation as well. A lot of people say the one-state solution is the only possibility, which is end the apartheid state, give Palestinians equal rights, because right now there's different laws. If you're Arab, that's what Israel is. It's a Jewish state, and they've driven out people who are not Jewish, and they're ethnically cleansing them. It's a fucking disaster, man. It's really scary. And I don't actually blame Israelis because you're growing up in Israel. First of all, they think that they're the chosen people because the Bible says so which is disturbing in itself. But second of all, if you're growing up in Israel and you do hear the sirens all the time and you fucking think you're being told that these people are terrorists and they want to kill you. Right. Um, so, I mean, I don't blame it. And, and but, but honestly, Israel has much more fair media coverage. They have Haaretz. They have 972 MAG. Here in America, we're treated like fucking children. We aren't told the context of the situation whatsoever. All we're told is Hamas terrorists keep firing at Israel and Israel has the right to self-defense. Well, in all fairness, this is a topic that's really too complicated for the news, in quotes. You're not going to get it in a Fox 7-minute soundbite in between commercials. This is something that's incredibly complex and really should be like a three- or four-hour documentary just to scratch the surface. And I don't know if... I mean, I, I guess if you call yourself the news... There's a responsibility, at least an implied responsibility, to educate when it comes to a situation like this. But to try to cover it on Fox News or on CNN and to try to like give an understanding to the people viewing, it seems almost impossible. But they also just only do pro-Israel mm-hmm. bias. Like That's why I did that yeah. video, Why Doesn't the Media Care About Dead Palestinians? Because up until there was like hundreds of Palestinians that had died already, and the news was still making it seem like... Like, literally, every single headline was just like, three Israeli soldiers died, 
400 others. And you're like, who are others? Palestinians? Mm. Like human beings? Like right. who the fuck are these people? Or it would just be like Israel's, you know, Hamas rockets have Israel on edge. It's like, yeah, they ha- they might have Israel on edge, but people are fucking like dying and getting dismembered and getting blown up like from bombs and all this ceasefire shit, man. Look, I, you're invading a country. They are invading Gaza. Netanyahu has also said it doesn't matter ceasefire or not. They're going to go through with the invasion and destroy the tunnels. The tunnels are not just used to store rockets. The tunnels are used to smuggle food into Gaza. The tunnels are used to smuggle people out to try to get them into Egypt because they're in, wounded and injured. On the news, it is disgusting. I've never seen anything so disgusting in my life than the bias toward Israel on the media. And I know I'm, I, I'm called so many names because I'm pointing this out. But to me, it's very obvious. My friend right here, she's from South Africa. She fucking, you know, she grew up in a culture of post-apartheid. And we're living in a world where an apartheid state exists right now. And because of this tight allegiance with the U.S., the U.S. supplies over $3 billion a year in just weaponry. We're continuing to give more weapons to Israel. Unless the U.S. says something, nothing's going to change. And because it's this Jewish state, if you criticize it, then you must hate Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem is this rhetoric. And it's so hard to break through and to explain to people, look, because I'm criticizing a government doesn't mean that I hate a population. I love all human beings. I just want them to have sovereignty, independence, and equal rights. Well, there's also this undeniable problem with having an area like that. And what the problem is, is that there are going to be children that are born in that area that have no history of conflict whatsoever, and they're fucked. They're fucked. This is where they're, they live now, and they're treated as the enemy. And they're born into that. And there's no chance to break that cycle. In that sort of a scenario... If you have a closed border, you have a closed-in population, and you have this demonized population, there's no chance to break that struggle. I mean, if you're a child and you're born in Palestine, what the fuck are the options? Right. What, where are you going? What's right. going on? You're, and what are the ideologies that you're confronted with constantly, left and right? Well, you've got Hamas. You've got all these uh, Palestinian organizations that want to fight against Israel. And, and you know, you're, grown, you're growing up in this state of perpetual conflict. With, it, it doesn't seem like there's any resolution that's conceivable. It's, it's a terrible, terrible tragedy as far as like the wasted human potential of the children that are born there, the people right. that are forced to grow up in that environment, as opposed to Israel where they could just fucking fly out and leave and, and live there. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I'm 100% against war, 100%. Mm. Um, I don't think that war is the option here. I don't think it's correct. I don't think, I, I never think it's correct. The only time... It's ever, I think the only time the military should ever be used is when there's an obvious threat. You got some ISIS crazy fucks or something that are invading in a country and uh, having mass executions. Like what we're, we're dealing with right now in Iraq, that to me is a way clearer example of something that probably needs some fucking military attention than anything that they use to justify going to war with Iraq in the first place. Like what they've created right. <laughs> in this vacuum is way scary. You're pu- we're right. pulling out now. Well, it's not our problem. No, that's that's a real problem. This is a real problem. What you fuckers did is you created a problem. You created a power vacuum, and now there's a real problem because now you've got militants who are so militant that regular Islam is not militant enough for them. They're blowing up mosques. These fuckers are blowing up 
like these and they got training from sites. the Syrian rebels that we gave them. Yeah. So it's like we emboldened the Syrian rebels that were aligned with this really radical faction of Islam, and then they join up with with ISIS, and now they're going back to fucking Iraq. And you're like, what in the hell? This is why we shouldn't get involved. This is why we shouldn't yeah. go inject democracy in places that are completely on a different evolutionary path of, of you know culture. Duncan and I had dinner last night after the show, and we were talking about this. And we were both like shaking our head, and one of the things that we kept coming to is like, whenever you have military action, whenever you kill a thousand people you don't just kill a thousand people you also make widows you make uh, loved ones who hate who lost their friends and family and there's just this this culture of hate that just never goes away as long as, those, violence, yeah. Yeah, as long as those people are alive this cycle is just ingrained in them on both sides on the israeli right. side on the palestinian side it's just horrific and it's almost like this this process that's impossible to completely stop like once the blood is shed, like fuck, man. It's like you know, it just it creates this unfixable problem. I see it in a, in a okay. So we created this Jewish state. The U.S. helped create this Jewish state, Israel. Um, then there was you know the antifadas, and then they had their borders. And basically, what's happened is that Israel has continued to encroach and. If you look at the map, there's like this map, this very famous picture of these four factions of how Israel has encroached more and more in Palestine. And now it just closed off more and more. Gaza's just shrunk to about this big. The West Bank has shrunk to about this big. And they continue to build settlements against international law. <laughs> They've violated all of these like international treaties to continue doing this because more and more settlers are going over there and, and making a home base, demolishing homes left and right. Um, so if you look at the conflict, it depends on when you want to start the clock. You can start it with the kidnappings, which Hamas actually didn't do, and Israel had to admit to that. Or you can start with the two kids that were executed on camera by IDF soldiers weeks prior to that. Or you could start with fucking 50 years ago, or you could start with fucking 3,000 years ago. I mean, when when you want to start the conflict or the clock on the conflict, and that really all depends on the context of the situation. But when people say like, well, you're fucking shooting rockets at us, what do you think we're going to do? The problem is you have to understand why they're shooting rockets mm -hmm. and no one wants to talk about that. And no one wants to talk about how if you have a helpless population under Section 51 under the U.N. Charter, that if you're getting fucking peddled with industrial warfare and you don't have an army and you're a helpless population being occupied, you do have the right to defend yourself. <laughs> That's the U.N. Um, I'm not I, I abhor violence on either side and I completely condemn shooting rockets into civilian populations and trying to kill people. But I do understand the resistance movement. I do understand people aligning with Hamas because, look, they're under fucking siege. And if I didn't have basic amenities and if I saw my home, like my neighbor's homes getting demolished all my life and if I fucking saw people getting shot and beat the shit out of all my Palestinian friends, friends here who have left Palestine over the years, their stories are just unbelievable. One of them's brother was beaten to death by the IDF when he was 16 because he threw a stone the other one lost six family members and one bombing. And I'm just like, how the fuck do you guys go on? And they're mm. like, just surviving is our resistance. Just living is our resistance. I mean, I, and everyone has a story like that. And there's incredible biases um, on the side of the pro-Israel side. Like the, I've, I've seen some videos that make you just go, wait, wait, wait what? The Dennis Prager one is the most egregious. Have you ever seen that? No. What is it? We'll play it. We'll play it because it's quite fascinating. Um, Dennis Prager on the Palestine um, 
uh, Israeli conflict. It's like he he breaks it down in this way that like uh, it's it's very it's a highly criticized video. Um, the one in, in a nutshell. Yes. Yeah. Let's, listen let's to play it. it. Let's do it. <sighs> because it's uh it's one of those ones where you're like okay come on man. I, I, we'll, I'll, I'll, we'll play it here. You got it? Because it's something that you can't really describe without actually saying. Because <laughs> Dennis Prager is this, like, serious conservative Jewish fella. Right. Prager University. By the way, you can't have Prager University, you fuck. You know, you're not a goddamn professor of a university that you make yourself. You know, yourself. the motto of Prager University is you <laughs> give us five minutes and we'll give you a semester. Well, I took many semesters on the question of the Middle East conflict. I was at the Middle East Institute, in fact, at Columbia University. That's where I did my graduate work. Semester after semester discussing the Middle East conflict as if it were the most complex conflict in the world, when in fact it's probably the easiest conflict Hmm. in the world to describe. It may be the hardest to solve, but it really is the easiest to describe. Kill all Muslims. And really, in a nutshell, this is what it is. Israel would like to exist and recognizes the right of the Palestinians to have a state. The Palestinians, however, and many other Muslims and Arabs do not recognize the right of a Jewish state of Israel to exist. Every poll among Palestinians shows that the majority of Palestinians want there to be no Jewish state of Israel, doesn't believe that it should exist or had any basis for being. And this has been true since 1948 when the British left and the UN established a division. Palestine will be cut in half, a Jewish half, and an Arab half. The Jews accepted it, the Arabs didn't accept it, and what happened the moment it was announced? Arab armies, about seven Arab armies, attacked the Jewish state in order to destroy it. To everybody's surprise, the little Jewish state survived, and that was pretty much it. And then it happened again in 1967 when the dictator of Egypt, Gamal Abdel Nasser, said we are now going to extinguish the Jewish state of Israel. And Jordan joined him and Syria joined him, but Israel attacked first and so Israel survived. And that is how Israel, and only that way, came to occupy what was called the West Bank of Jordan, where many Palestinians lived because many Palestinians lived in that part of Jordan. So the war was over in 67, and what did the Arabs do? The Arab states all went to Khartoum, Sudan, and announced no recognition, no peace, and no negotiations. The three famous no's. What was Israel supposed to do? Then Israel made an agreement to give the entire Sinai Peninsula an area of land bigger than Israel, with oil, back to Egypt, because they said they would make peace with Israel. Israel gives territory back for peace. And it will always do that. Hmm. But is there really a desire for peace on the part of Israel's enemies, which broadcast after broadcast on TV and radio in the Palestinian areas is about how Jews should be killed and how Allah wants uh, Jews to be killed? That's the typical broadcast on Palestinian television. So so it's not hard to explain the Middle East dispute. One side wants the other dead. You know what the motto of Hamas is? The motto of Hamas is, we love death as much as the Jews love life. (laughs) Now you tell me, how is Israel supposed to make peace when people believe what Hamas believes? Oh God, where do I start? Now here is one of the most important (laughs) things nobody talks about. Everybody talks about about a Palestinian state. Why didn't anybody talk about a Palestinian state while the Palestinians lived under Jordanian rule? 
because the truth is people started talking about a Palestinian state once the Palestinians were under Israeli rule because it was always a way to destroy the Jewish state of Israel. And I say Jewish state because that's what it is. There are many, many Arab states, but there is only one Jewish state. It is about the size of New Jersey. In fact, Israel is the size of El Salvador, El Salvador. And yet if a Martian came to the earth and they visited the United Nations Fucking or they read Martians. the world's newspapers or watched world television, they would believe that the biggest problem on earth is a state the size of New Jersey and El Salvador, this state of Israel. This preoccupation with a little democratic, humane state is absolutely <laughs> irrational. And here's another question to be asked. If Israel tomorrow put down its arms and said, we will fight no more, what would happen? If the Arab countries around Israel said, we will fight no more, we put down our arms, what would happen? In the first case, there would be an immediate destruction of the state of Israel with mass murder of the Jews of Israel. In the second scenario I presented, where the Arabs put down their arms and said, we just want peace, there would be peace the next Wednesday. The fact is, as I said at the outset, it is a very simple problem to describe. One side wants the other dead. And if they didn't, there would be peace. And yet, please remember this. There has never been, never in the history of the world, a state in that area, in what is called geographically Palestine, that was not Jewish. Israel is the third autonomous Jewish state to exist in that area. There was never an autonomous Arab state. There was never an autonomous Muslim state. There was never an autonomous any other state. That's the issue. Why can't a little state the size of El Salvador that calls itself Israel be allowed to exist? That, in a nutshell, is the Middle East problem. I'm Dennis Prager. Dennis Prager's a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how he's like... Um, okay, so you have all these Arab states, and this is the only Jewish state. Arab isn't a fucking religion, idiot. Jewish state. Yeah, you have an Islamic state, Iran, but are you going to really compare the fucking two? If you're claiming that Israel's the only democracy in the Middle East, are you really comparing yourself to Iran and all these other, like... I mean, it's just amazing that he just said that. That's insane. Also... Sure, there's absolutely people who hate Jewish people. There's calls for genocide on that side. But there's also calls for genocide in the Israeli cabinet as well. Some woman just said that all Palestinians should die. Times of Israel just published a piece justifying genocide. They actually said when, when genocide is permissible, this was just published yesterday, taken down um, in a couple hours because of the backlash. But you have this, this rhetoric coming from both sides, but I only see one side actually doing the genocide. Carrying out genocide. Um, one side is doing the killing. The other side, yes, the Hamas charter may say that Israel um, should cease to exist. I don't know if that's like a mistranslation in Arabic of just saying the state should be dissolved. But I know that they mistranslated Ahmadinejad saying wipe Israel off the map. He never actually said that. So what did he say? Um, he just he said like the borders should like Israel as a state shouldn't be there as a Jewish state. He didn't say fucking wipe them off the map kill them all that was a mistranslation and of course you just hear that repeated ad nauseum no matter what um one other thing that's just really ridiculous is um this other israeli cabinet official just said that palestinians are committing self-genocide that every time a palestinian child dies it's because 
they're killing themselves. I guess there must be rockets inside of these children because I haven't seen any evidence whatsoever. All the homes that they're blowing up, where are these rocket command centers? I just want to see fucking evidence that's not a cartoon. Well, Prager's, uh, his point of view is very simplified, very simplistic and biased, obviously. You know, his the, the whole take, like, well, it's very simple. Right. The Jewish state, it's very simple. It's not very simple. It's not simple at all, man. And he didn't m- mention what you mentioned at all, is that these people are kind of closed in there. And there's no hope for them. This idea that, you know, th- first of all, the idea that a Jewish state has always, who gives a fuck? It's, religion's retarded, all right? right? If you're an old man, you think religion's a good idea, Good on you, buddy. Keep that rocking that shit until your fucking body stops working. But for us, for the young folks that are out here that are sort of paying attention to the way things have run on this planet in this idiotic, cyclical manner from the beginning of time, from the beginning, the first fucking dude wrote shit down and decided to tell the other guys that God wrote it or God told them to write it or whatever. I mean, that's this idea that it's a, a the religious state should be allowed to exist. The idea of a religious state is ridiculous. Right. They're ridiculous. It's ridiculous whether it's a state of Scientology, whether it's the Moonies have their own fucking country, like any country that is based on religion. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I know we're supposed to have religious freedom, and I, I agree with that. I agree that you should fucking, you should be able to worship the spaghetti monster. You should be able to do whatever you want. But when you have an entire state that believes it's the chosen people and they're connected to this other state that they have sort of boxed into this 45-mile strip, I mean, objectively, stand outside of the situation. What are those poor people supposed to do? Right. You know? And look, I am not discounting this idea that Hamas is a terrorist organization because they obviously are. But- how how does a terrorist organization start out? It's like one of the things that happened during September 11th that drove me fucking bananas when George Bush was like, they hate us for our freedom. You know, okay, they hate us so much for our freedom that they're willing to fly planes into buildings. What did we do? Right. What the fuck are we doing that gets people angry? Nobody ever thinks about that. All they ever think about is the action themselves. Not like what's causing this action. What is it that's making people come from another planet and blow up buildings in New York City? Well, it's not New York City. It's not those people. It's not the people in those buildings. Fuck not freedom. It's not freedom. (laughs) It has nothing to do with it. It's this discounting of the chain of events that cause this cataclysmic disaster. It's discounting the the, the pressures, the the inequities, the, the all the, the problems, the inequality, the the, the 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 despair of being born into that situation. And this the idea that what the thing that drives me the most crazy about war is that people will agree that those people are the enemy. People that they don't even know. Right. They're just people. This, this, this concept of tribalism is so archaic and so fucking stupid that it, it drives me crazy that it still exists. That in this day and age, people who have never met will see someone who's on the other side of the fence and say, that is my enemy and I have to go kill them. People who have never met. They don't know each other at all. And this idea that these people are Arab and these people are Jewish so they could never possibly get it wrong. It's preposterous. That's insane. It exists all throughout this country. 
we, people, I mean, yeah, there's racism and there's, there's biases against religions and religious beliefs for sure. But there's also, there's always going to be that there's bias against Republicans hate fucking Democrats. Democrats hate Republicans. A lot of people hate libertarians. People love to hate people for regardless. And when the media is amplifying that hate and telling you more reasons why you should hate um, it's the same logic. Okay, so Hamas is the democratically elected leadership of the Gaza Strip. And the reason is because of what I said before is that they're aligning more with this militant faction because they are trying to resist this occupation and ongoing siege. All right. I disagree with Hamas's all of what they stand for, but I understand the evolution of how this happened. But it's the same logic as saying all Palestinians deserve to die because they elected Hamas. They all must be terrorists. They all must believe in this shit. It's the same logic bin Laden had mm-hmm. that Americans deserve to die because, you know, of what we did. Right. Because we elected these leaders who you could say are terrorists on just a larger scale. What makes someone a terrorist? Killing a million Iraqis with all this fucking high-grade weaponry or blowing yourself up on an airplane? I mean, it's comparable if you're looking at I, I would say that the a million dead Iraqis would say that Bush was a terrorist. You know, one man's terrorist is, an, is another man's freedom fighter. Yeah, it's easy to point. It's easy to decide that someone's a terrorist. And that label terrorist is such a... Right. It's so vague and, it's, you know, it's so easy to move around. You know, you could you could apply it to either side. But the dehumanization of populations, my brother, um, Robbie Martin, he's he, he does journalism for MediaRoots.org, which is my other citizen journalism website. But we just published this article about the history of the term human shield. And it just it is really incredible because you look back at even World War II, Japan, the Viet Cong. We all use this terminology and there's really little evidence to ever back it up. And it always is when the establishment wants to paint a population as like having little value to human life. Even bin Laden using his wives as human shields when we raided the compound, that turned out to be a lie. Um, the Taliban, they said that they used people as human shields shooting from civilian areas. All of this like, never really has been proven, but when you repeat it more and more and more and more, people just say, like, oh, well, they're using their kids as human shields. What are mm-hmm. we supposed to do when we go in there and bomb them? Like, It's not our fault that the kids are dying. Here's an even fucking crazier part. I just remember this. When we invaded Iraq, Bush... Actually, so the CIA has this giant document on human shields and Saddam's use of human shields. And Bush actually fucking had the audacity to go out on TV and say, just to warn you, there's going to be mass casualties when we invade Iraq. And he was like, but it's going to be because Iraqis are going to be used as human shields. He was like, the people who die, Saddam will be using them as human shields. Like, how the fucking insane is that? That you're preemptively justifying slaughter by blaming the population that you're going to be bombing. Yeah. I'm sorry, I just get really no, upset. Well, you should be. You should be because these <laughs> tactics are ridiculous, you know. And this, these, these tactics—they're a part of an ancient system. Right. This ancient system of justification of warfare, mm-hmm. and this ancient system—it really, you know, it, for the longest time, it was incredibly difficult to decipher. Incredibly difficult. I mean, go back to the Roman days, try to figure out who's right and who's wrong. Good luck. What are you going to find the right animal skin to read, you know, <laughs> where it has the fucking truth written down on it? No, you, you couldn't possibly be there when the events transpired that caused the war itself. You couldn't possibly be in the tent where the, the, the war chiefs decided to fucking, you know, make this is the attack we're going to do. And this is the reason why we're going to do it. No, you, you just were a part of the army or you were a part of the civilian population that had to endure whatever was going on. You felt powerless. You felt you had no information other than what was being spread through the state and you were fucked. But now we live in this different time. And in this different time, you can watch a Dennis 
Prager video mm-hmm. and go, Dennis Prager is a douchebag. Mm-hmm. You can d- debate it. You can you can look at the actual facts of the situation, and people can be informed in a way that's really never been available before. the The Vietnam War protests were largely based on uh, they were largely based on educational institutions. It was largely largely based out of universities, where these liberal professors were trying to explain to people what the reality of the situation was, and then parents were like, "These fucking liberals are teaching my kids bullshit." And then you had Kent State, where the fucking the military, the National Guard came in and shot student protesters and scared the fuck out of everybody. I mean, there was so much chaos going on to try to suppress the spread of information, to try to su- suppress dissent. But today, the the well's broken. I mean, it's just there's no suppressing it anymore. And we have these organizations that are scrambling to try to make sense of it all that they're trying to justify their actions in in light of this overwhelming right. amount of information right. that didn't exist before. Exactly. Social media the when during operation cast lead which was I think I want to say 2009 but that was the last really brutal siege on Gaza and we didn't have social media like we did I mean, they didn't have it back then like we do now. So I think they're able to control the narrative a little bit more. But now it's like the fucking floodgates are open, dude. You can't deny seeing children's brains being blown out. I mean, it's just there's so much death and destruction on social media that you're just seeing the truth right in your fucking face. It doesn't matter how many cartoon infographics you make up on the IDF side. And going back to propaganda, I mean, Israel is just working 24-7 to try to spin this thing. Um, Not only is our media an abysmal failure and relaying what is actually happening. But they actually have, um, you know, first of all, there's the birthright trip where actually I think like 2,000 soldiers right now in the IDF are American because they go on these birthright trips and then they're told at the end of the trip, like, come fight for us. Like, you need, this is like, everyone wants to kill us still, you know, Jews need protection and come join the IDF. And it's just bizarre. I can't imagine another army well, actually, I can. And they were called terrorists when people wanted to join like the Iraqi resistance and the Syrian resistance. We call them terrorists. But if you're an American, and you go fucking join the IDF, which is a colonial army. Somehow you're a fucking hero. The propaganda machines working 24 seven. They offer grants, scholarships for people who can do the most pro Zionist editing on Wikipedia and edit the most Facebook posts and post the most really? pro tweets, pro Israel tweets. They offer free hot air balloon rides around Israel, Tel Aviv. If you post the most pro Israeli shit on like Facebook and Twitter, dude, it's, it's pretty tr- sweet though. Hot air balloon <laughs> yeah. rides. Who wouldn't want to do that, right? I'm thinking about it. I mean, I, I doubt Hamas is offering like I doubt Hamas is the capability to offer that to the, to the, all the fucking human shields in Gaza. But they don't even have pasta or chocolate. Yeah, they're gonna have hot air balloons. <laughs> they can't even make terrorist paper airplanes because uh. they don't have the. Point to paper. Uh, but it just shows you how much is going into the spin machine on one side. And mm-hmm. I was invited on CNN last night and I was like shocked. I was like, holy fuck, they're going to let me go on CNN and drop this truth on there? And then they canceled. I think they got some pressure um, because it was you? too good to be true. Yeah. Oh, good googly moogly. Of course they did. <laughs> yeah. Someone was probably like, who are you fucking? No, yeah. no, 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 no. What? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Have you watched her videos? That bitch is crazy. <laughs> She's got a nose ring. Yeah, um, it's this is a strange time when it comes to this uh, these these sort of events because they don't play out the way the military leaders sort of expect them to play out in the media anymore because the media that's online is as big, if not bigger, 
in total than the mainstream, in quotes, media. There's no mainstream media anymore. There's CNN, there's Fox, there's these traditional media outlets, which is the way to describe them, traditional media. It's almost like they're, they're legacy. It's like legacy media. But then there's online media, which if you totaled up the amount of blogs, the amount of videos, the amount of online websites that have streaming video and podcasts and the different forms of media that exist that cover these same issues, it's overwhelmingly bigger, mm-hmm. overwhelmingly. Like the numbers are much larger for the, the cumulative total of websites that cover these stories. It's, it's much more people are downloading, like clicking on those links, reading those stories, watching those videos than you're getting ever on a CNN broadcast. Absolutely. That's why I didn't even care when they canceled it. I was like, fuck it. I'm going on Joe Rogan's show tomorrow. And that has a million times more just like people who I would even want to be reaching out to. Like what I want to reach out to like old ladies in their home watching fucking Fox. Or do I want to reach out to people who actually, you know, have their eye on the ball or like invested in the culture and what the fuck's happening in this country. And that's your audience. And it's just really cool. I mean, being at your show last night and seeing and seeing just like how many people give a shit and are paying attention to you and the podcast and fuck CNN. We're driving them into irrelevancy, man. I mean, your show and all the social media stuff. These people, it's dinosaurs. They're silent movies. It's a silent movie is what it is. the, The format is archaic. You know, we'll be right back. You know, and like these fucking things drive me crazy when they have a legitimate issue to debate and they have four squares like it's the fucking Hollywood squares and Rip Taylor's up in the corner and he's like, this is crazy. <laughs> She's nuts. And then, you know, you have all these other people and they're yelling over each other and like, we'll be right back. Yeah, Thank yeah, you yeah, for yeah. your time. Yeah. Oh, we have to cut yeah. to Justin Bieber. He just yeah. got back in court. I mean, that's what they actually did. They, like, cut from a congresswoman, I think CNN or something, was cutting. He was talking to a congresswoman about the NSA, and then they're like, hold on, breaking news, Justin Bieber just, like, pled something. I was like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, if I could just say one thing so people don't call me a Nazi and shit, is that I, (laughs) (laughs) I love all people, I think all human beings. I just want to see humanity have equality and i just think that the palestinians are being royally fucked over and i'm just totally disgusted with the way that it's being portrayed and that they're being vilified and demonized with zero context and zero historical context of how this happened and that's why i'm just like trying to just say as much as i can even though i'm very biased and openly biased i'm an advocacy journalist and i just think that it it needs to be done because i see just a giant void in the mainstream And I just got to fucking do it. I mean, I interviewed some woman in Gaza who she was just like, I could be called a human shield because I'm refusing to leave my house. And she's like, and the truth is there's nowhere for us to go. We can't leave. 45 miles and that many people stuffed in together. It's the the options are incredibly limited. And if you you really want to do if if anybody in that area really wants to have peace, this idea that you contain these people is almost like like ensuring. Yeah. You're ensuring that you're going to have some sort of conflict, constant conflict. I it's, don't know what to do, though, but, I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to let those people, if you let those people out of Gaza, okay, like say if the, 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 the Jews and the Palestinians come to an agreement and then they open the borders and then the Palestinians come over to Israel and they seek revenge for their family members that have died and then they, it all starts all over again. I mean, once thousands of people have been killed and it's in their eyes murdered, you know, you can say military action. It, call, you know, use whatever noises with your face 
to describe a missile hitting a fucking baby, but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And if that's my baby, I'm strapping some C4 to my chest and I'm going to find out who did it and I'm going to take out the whole group. I mean, that's probably what they're thinking. And there's going to be a lot of those people. There's a lot of those people that are filled with despair. And what are their options? I don't know. I it's, don't know. That's I don't. a very good point. And I think that's the reason why these 120 people are still languishing innocent in Gitmo. Because at this point, they're like, what the fuck are we going to do? Release these people? We just right. tortured them for 12 years. Well, we tortured some folks. <laughs> we tortured some folks. Did you see that fucking yeah. thing? Oh, tortured my God. Tortured some folks. If you haven't seen it, folks, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, there is look at, uh, look at. a recent <laughs> thing where Barack Obama is talking about people being tortured, and he uses the term, well, we, we tortured some folks after the September 11 attacks. We tortured some folks? <laughs> no, you can't say that. You can say we met some folks. You know, uh, we went to uh, we went to Atlanta. Oh we met some God. nice folks. You don't say we tortured some folks. Like, what kind of fucking weird euphemism speak is that? We Dude. tortured some folks. So that's become a hashtag on Twitter now. Uh, <laughs> hashtag we tortured some folks. Hashtag drone king. Yeah, that is what's going on. That, that I'm not kidding. That is yeah. a that's trending. Hashtag we tortured some folks. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And that's exactly yeah. That's exactly what what's happening with the drone wars. Um, that, look, these these fucking Taliban militants just took over this airport in Karachi, killed a shitload of people. And why? Because they said that a drone fucking killed one of their leaders in fucking the rural area of Pakistan because Obama launched a drone attack, killed this guy. It's oh. like this is going to be going on forever when you kill people with drones, when you fucking imprison people in a, in a little area. I mean, it's just going to be a cycle of violence and revenge and hate. Um, and that's why I just completely disagree with, with, you know, of course, the drone war. I disagree with all that shit, man. Well, drones are spooky. Dude. It's a spooky idea that you're nowhere near there and you have a remote control and you press a button and missiles that are called hellfire missiles come flying out of the sky and slam into targets often the wrong ones. And if you look at the amount of people that are innocent that have been killed by drones versus the amount of actual terrorists that have been killed by drones, what a fucking mess that program is. And they is. also just call them militants. Anyone who's yeah. just aged, like literally military age, so it could be 15 to fucking 100. If you're a military age male, you're considered a militant. So who are, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who's even, like, I'm sure the majority of them are civilians. If you if you have enough dirt on someone where you actually, they're worthy of being executed, put them on fucking trial. I'm sorry, but I believe in the rule and justice. I don't believe in just assassinating motherfuckers across the globe with zero accountability, zero context of who these people are. And we know that they've executed fucking, like, that 16-year-old boy, the son of Anwar al-Laki. Yeah. 16-year-old kid. Blew him up in a drone, him and his whole family just dead. No accountability, no rationale. And, you know, they're just all terrorists, I guess. That's just makes us feel better, I guess, to think that. In Pakistan alone, between 416 and 951 civilians, including 168 to 200 children, have been killed, depending upon reports. And, you know, who knows what the numbers, the correct numbers are? I mean, first of all, you got a real problem with incredibly poor people where you hit a fucking house where they live in and there's no paperwork and they're blown to smithereens. Like, how many people are there? You, you are going to have to find the family members who are going to report and tell you how many. And it's, 
you know, that's why you're getting these weird numbers. But the bottom line is hundreds of people have been murdered that did nothing. And also more disturbingly, two disturbing things. One of them, the Intercept release, which is Glenn Greenwald's publication with the NSA leaks, that they actually are killing people based on metadata. So they track someone's metadata through their cell phone. Mm -hmm. And then they track all these patterns. So it's not even like real human beings with, you know, conducting intelligence on the ground, figuring out what people deserve to die or not. It's actually fucking tracking metadata on a fucking like computer screen. Mm -hmm. That is insane to me. Because what if you give your cell phone to your grandma and the cell phones in your grandma's house or a church? Mm -hmm. They're going to fucking blow the shit out of that church. Exactly. Blow your grandma apart. They're targeting wherever that phone is. Exactly. You know, if you really hated somebody, you just leave your phone over their house. (laughs) Hellfires are coming. (laughs) Yeah, it's not that specific. And so the idea of the, this is the word that gets thrown around a lot, surgical strikes. I mean, you want to talk about surgical precision. You don't usually talk about missiles that hit metadata that where a phone (laughs) is and it's a hit in a fucking apartment building. You're just going to blow up whoever happens to randomly be near this phone. Collateral damage, man. And And going back to what do we do? I mean, I think that we um, we end the apartheid state. We start giving Arabs equal rights. But I think that the U.S. cutting off funding militarily, I think, is the number one thing. I mean, for God's sake, there's been blatant war crimes that have happened, hitting the U.N. refugee school, killing 17 human beings that were trying to get refuge. During a humanitarian ceasefire, they bombed a crowded market, killing another 17. They've killed like six journalists, targeted all these media centers. And then there was the U.N. Security Council where every single country either abstained or voted to investigate war crimes in Gaza except the U.S. Except the U.S. That's how blind that's how blind this allegiance is. And if we could just end this military funding, I think then Israel would be forced to kind of analyze their their role. And we can really talk seriously about solutions here because it's not going to work. Yeah, you're not anti-Israel. No. You're, an- you're anti-war. Right. You know, and I've, I have a lot of friends that are Jewish and, you know, and a lot of them have very strong opinions about this whole thing. And, you know, I, I see it from their point of view. They grew up with this idea that the Palestinians are terrorists. Totally. And the Palestinians kidnap Jews. And you remember the Olympic Games and all this craziness. And, you know, I, I see their point of view. But as an objective human observer... When you watch this, you go, there has got to be a way to break this cycle. And the way is not missiles. And it's not blowing up tunnels. And it's not keeping these people on a a strip of land. I don't know what the way is. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the problem. I'm talking a lot of shit here. I don't have any solutions. But uh, it's scary. It's scary as fuck. And then you've got Russia that may be uh, invading Ukraine right now. I mean, as we speak this weekend, that might be going down. You know, there's a bunch of points all over the earth where there's some scary shit that's happening. You know, it's this is a scary time. It's a very scary time because human beings have so much more capacity for violence. We we our ability when you have things like drones, when you have things like long-range missiles and nuclear weapons and all these different things that just didn't exist 100 years ago, but you still have the same mentality mm-hmm. that existed exactly. 100 years ago. <laughs> that's the real issue, right? Right. I mean, 100 years ago you know, you had to fucking get in a boat and you had to get over there in a plane with a propeller and it was it was hard to fuck shit up. Now you can be in Nevada, you know, with a fucking Xbox controller and you're launching missiles, you know, from the other side of the world. It's, 
it gets real weird when it becomes easy to kill. And when you're so delusional that you think that you are literally chosen by God to live more than another human being, and then you have these weapons at your arsenal. Yeah, that's, that's what's scary to me. That's goofy as fuck. That is unbelievably goofy. And that's the thing that, you know, when you, when you talk to Jewish people, that's, you know, that's my faith and my undeniable right to have this faith. And that's my Dennis Prager voice. <laughs> my faith, <laughs> my undeniable right for a Jewish state. Look, undeniably, there's so much fucking anti-Semitism online. It's disgusting. It's vile. And there's obviously Jews have been persecuted horribly in the past. And, um, you know, it's awful. But it's not a reason or justification to do this to another population. No. You know? No, it's not. And it's only going to make more anti-Semitism. <laughs> so you know, unfortunate. Attacking Palestinians and, seeing, and having the outside world look at this happen. And, you know, and also, look. When Palestinians attack Israelis, that shit ain't helping either, man. Right. I, I but it it's it's a, a terribly imbalanced situation. A terribly terribly imbalanced situation. It's imbalanced that Israel feels like it's completely surrounded by these Arab states, these Muslim states that hate it and want it gone. That's incredibly imbalanced as well. And that's also a religious issue. Mm -hmm. It's like that. They're just as goofy. The whole, I mean, it's all goofy. This idea that your ideology, your religious ideology based on some ancient shit that nobody knows the real source of is more important or more valid than someone else's. It's all fucking madness. And look at us. Look at the Christian culture here, the evangelicals. Mm -hmm. Dude, I just saw, I don't know if you've been watching John Oliver. I really like his show, but he had on this stuff about the Uganda gay law. And you're like, oh, wow, that's so fucked up. Uganda has such horrible gay laws. And then you realize that it's because of the evangelicals here in this country mm -hmm. that they've basically been emboldened because the political establishment, for some reason, takes them seriously enough to like let them in, have such a say. And it's driven all of our politics to the fucking right so much. And so then these evangelicals have so much money and backing that they go across the world and start like making these laws get pushed through to fucking kill gay people and you're like what in the hell is going on mm -hmm. it's this crazy shit like sure uganda's uh you know might be backwards in a lot of ways but without these american christian evangelicals going over there and actually helping get this done it wouldn't have happened and that's really scary because for some reason they're relevant here and i'm not saying of course if you're christian i'm not talking about that i'm talking about the very 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 right-wing very like minute, like very small minority that have an extremely powerful political voice because they have so much money, and it gets people like you know Mitt Romney and fucking Rick Santorum. Yeah, what I a mean, goof. I mean, the fact that those people are even relevant, the fact that we almost had that as our president. Like, look, I think Obama's a war criminal, but Mitt Romney's. I mean, damn. I mean, these people are just nuts. Sarah Palin. Yeah, these people should not be anywhere near politics. Well, They're fucking crazy. Mitt Romney, for folks who don't know, is a part of one of the most extreme Mormon sects ever. They left the country to go to Mexico because they couldn't have a hundred wives here in America. That's I mean, that's literally why Mitt Romney's family couldn't, like, his dad couldn't be president because his dad was born in fucking Mexico. His family is from Mexico. They have a <laughs> giant compound in Mexico where they, they're engaged in like these wars with the drug cartels. They get kidnapped and shit. Vice did this whole piece on it. It's incredibly fucked up. And Mitt Romney, they just, no one talked about it. My Mormonism is off the table. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, couldn't yeah, talk yeah. About it. No. yeah. What? You're like, actually, that's pretty fucking important. No, it's, it's on the table as fuck, dude. You know, you might keep it off the table on your goofy legacy television shows and all these ridiculous things that you, you, you do, these ridiculous debates where everything's controlled. 
If I was ever in a debate with that guy, the first thing I would say is, you really believe Joseph Smith, a 14-year-old boy, found golden tablets that contained the lost work of Jesus, but only he could read them because he had a magic rock. And then he had to bury him, and then no one else can see him. The fuck out of here, dude. I would literally say, get the fuck out of here on TV. You're in a cult. Right. Yeah. Cults are big sometimes. Right. That's Sometimes cults only have 30 people, and you live in the fucking San Fernando Valley in a weird shelter, and sometimes cults have a billion people. And, you know, you got a guy called the Pope and he sits on a fucking golden <laughs> throne. Guess what? That guy's a fucking cult leader. Right. You know, maybe the new one's the best one ever because he's, you know, he's, he's sweet and he's a man of the people and he, he's so proletariat. Look at him. He's an awesome Pope. He's, he's a regular guy. Right. No, he's not. Right, he's right, a fucking right. cult leader. <laughs> he's just a better cult leader than that creepy fuck that came before him that sat on a, a golden throne. You know, and had uh, a gay bathhouse in the same property yeah, as the exactly. Vatican. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for bringing that up. Well, I, I, I know L. Ron Hubbard's great-grandson. He lives in Oakland, and he was telling me that his it's very openly admitted, and his great-grandfather wrote it in fucking books and shit, that he was in tax trouble, and he needed to start a religion to, like, get out of this fucking tax trouble. He was going to go to jail. He owed... <laughs> tons of money to the government and he even said like i'm gonna start a fucking religion and get myself out of these like tax problems and wow here you go yeah he did it and to to think that scientology is any less valid than mormonism right or that mormonism is any less valid than a religion that is based on a jewish zombie the the all of it's silly man and it's not saying that there's no god it's not saying that spirituality doesn't have some sort of a benefit to our society and our culture and this idea of a greater thing other than people, this greater power, whatever it may be that created the universe. Because there is something that runs this world, is something that runs this universe. You want to give it scientific terms, you want to give it philosophical terms, whatever it is, there's obviously a giant energy that has created this massive fucking universe. Whether it has a consciousness or not, is you could debate it all day long. But I'm guessing that a dude didn't die and then three days later come out and push a rock aside and you know come on it's the myths that hold society together it's all these fables and myths that are the glue and you're talking about how we haven't really changed we fucking haven't dude i just saw a poll that basically if a president was atheist that would be like the least favorable factor of like any candidate running for president is if they didn't believe in god that's how important religion still is to society and i think that even it's like what we were saying last night at the comedy show. You can show someone proof that Bigfoot that this video is fucking fake, and if and they still want to believe it, they believe it doesn't matter if you just say like, "Look, Jonah couldn't have survived inside of a whale for three days." It's just not scientifically possible. Like, well, the whales were different back then. <laughs> yeah. They had condos. They had condos in the whales. Yeah, people are people are weird, man. They're weird with their beliefs. And what's weird is as long as something's old, we'll accept it. Right. But if you tried to come out today right. with some Jewish zombie story, <laughs> people would be like, what is this asshole doing? They'd lock you up. They'd put you on yeah. pills. They'd be like, go down psychoactive medicine. If you were fucking- yeah, if you were standing like in the middle of all the people in Occupy Wall Street and you, you had a, 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 a chart and you were holding up this, this chart, this is how the earth was formed <laughs> 6,000 years Sign ago. Up in my religion. Yeah. Here. In six days, he created this. He'd be like, bitch, are you out of your fucking mind? If everybody just believed wholeheartedly in science, if we had completely abandoned uh, all religion and then you came along with aversion, then nobody would take it. You, it has to be old. It has to be old. But when it's old, we'll accept goofy shit. Goofy shit. And even shit. though so much fucking shit has come out since then, even though we have the internet, we have the world's knowledge at our fingertips, we still believe in these archaic 
philosophies that do not apply anymore. Dude, did you hear about the Blackwater shit that came out? How you know you know Blackwater mm-hmm. like the most criminal mafia organization and somehow the mercenaries yeah they're fucking mercenaries. I had Eric, a friend work for him. Really? Mm-hmm. Holy Went shit! Went over there and did a couple tours. Yeah. Had yeah. Fun? He, he was a marine sniper oh, and then uh, wanted to make some more money after the war. Wanted to make a lot more out. money. Yeah, made a lot more money than he did for the army. Dude. Did, did a couple tours. Opened up an MMA gym with it. That's cool, yeah. man. I mean, Not I really. you know. <laughs> <laughs> over there and kill some people. Okay, no, that's yeah. That's fucked I mean, up. I mean, that's I'm just trying to be nice. I think people. Yeah. Are, I think anyone in Blackwater is a criminal. But but Eric Prince, the guy who founded it, actually did think that he was ordained by God to like fucking like kill Muslims. Like he thought that he was carrying out a holy war. So what did we do? We hired this company, sent him over to fucking Iraq. They massacre God knows how many people. But that's not the crazy part. The crazy part that just came out. Abby. The crazy part that just came out is that. Basically, we went over to investigate them, and um, the State Department official went over to Iraq right before the Nasser Square Massacre, which is when they just went out with fucking machine guns and just, like, slaughtered 17, like, fucking women and children on the street. Before that even happened, a State Department official went over to Iraq, and they're like, yo, 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 this company is, like, out of fucking control. You guys are just, like, sh- like crashing into cars, like, running over people, shooting fucking birds in the sky and shit. So they meet with the embassy, and they're like, what, like, we need to... You know, this contractor that we hired is basically running our operation. What do they do? The Blackwater guy there just said, We're, I'm going to fucking kill you. We're yeah. going to kill you if you do anything. And he fucking left terrified. He told the embassy, he was like, they're threatening to kill me. And they're like, get out. They're like, you're threatening our relationship now with Blackwater. Yeah, And get he out. fucking came back <laughs> to the U.S. Well, <laughs> they're beyond the law. That's right. what's really crazy. A lot of the things that were done by Blackwater, these war crimes right they changed their name a couple right. times since then right and now i believe they're owned by the united arab emirates i think they hired prince to start another organization because they were worried about an arab spring event happening over there he's ha- he's provided safe harbor in abu dhabi and they something like is it abu dhabi yeah he's in abu dhabi and I, he did start he did, triple canopy that's what they just merged with so before it was blackwater then academy and then z yeah. right and and then after the story came out, all these other people came out anonymously inside Blackwater or ex-officials, and they're like, no, we, like, Eric Prince has, like, killed people. Like, Eric Prince has put out hits on motherfuckers. Like, we know this for sure, and we're fucking terrified to come out and actually put our identities because we might die, too. Like, that's how insane this dude is, and he's just living, still making contracts with the government. The CIA just gave Blackwater, whatever the fuck they're called now, another contract earlier this year. Well, they're very effective. <laughs> very, really good at their job. <laughs> I mean, this day and age, it's hard to get people to shut the fuck up about things, but boy, those guys know how to shut people up. Yeah. Especially when you can do things that are completely outside of the jurisdiction right. of any laws, ours, theirs. I mean, that word contractor is so cute because I always think of a plumber or a guy who's going right, to fucking right. fix your roof. <laughs> That's a contractor. <laughs> like, how, wait, well, the, those are contractors also have fucking sniper rifles? Yeah. And, like, what? That's a contractor? Oh, okay. Like, the you, you know, like when you heard, that was one of the things that kept, like, um, when that Fallujah thing happened and they hung those contractors, right. the United States contractors, like, I was like, why are they killing construction workers? <laughs> like, <laughs> they're killing contractors? And then you realize, like, oh, no, no, they're killing mercenaries. <laughs> they're killing hired assassins. Oh, that's different. Right. That's, that's like insurgent. You know, we right. killed some insurgents. What is that? Oh, people that are resisting, that are in the, they were born in this place that we showed up with tanks and they're resisting. So they're insurgents. 
you know, oh, they're not just people that right. live there. Right. No, and they're, no, they're militants. Yeah, well, we we can, you know, throughout history, people have had this incredible ability to dehumanize with with uh, terms. You know, you can just call mm-hmm. them something, and then they become the enemy, or categorize them. You know, uh, what Genghis Khan used to do, like anybody who didn't live in a tent was was a right. bitch you know it's, these <laughs> dummies that lived in these cities like they they just treated them like cattle right and that was why they were able to justify killing millions and millions of people and that's just one of the things that people have figured out a way to do us versus them we love it we love i fucking hate windows users you know i'm a mac till i right. die i mean it gets that dumb we we literally ford versus chevy i saw a fucking <laughs> a calvin and Hobbes thing <laughs> of, yeah pissing on a chevy logo like he's standing on a ford logo and he's pissing on a chevy logo if I had a fucking drone with Hellfire missiles, I might launch it at that <laughs> fucking guy. I like, want to launch it at anyone who has the fake balls on their truck. <laughs> <laughs> well, those could just be misguided youth. <laughs> you know, shit. If you gave me some of those fake balls when I was 18, I might have put them on my car. I was retarded. You know? <laughs> but Calvin and Hobbes pissing on a Ford logo. Jesus That's fucking just, yeah. Christ. But there's people that are like, this is Chevy country. If you listen quiet, you could hear a Ford rust. Like, there's, there's fucking bumper stickers like that. People love to be on goddamn teams. Unite blue. We're weird. Unite red. We're you know? weird. We're really weird like that. Well, and what better way to, div- you know, to control the population, to have these, like, fake teams of political parties that essentially there's total uniformity when it comes to foreign policy and the... You know, mm-hmm. the militarization of like this country and surveillance and all that shit. But then you just have like these minute differences in terms of like immigration or this and that. Not saying that they're like null and void. Obviously, there's like things that are very good about the differences. But on a big scale, it's essentially you're driving the fucking country into the ground. Yeah, I think it's like what they're doing is taking advantage of these ingrained tribal Mm -hmm. sensibilities that have been with us since we were in these small groups of people that had worry about other small groups of people. Like we were just talking about this the other day that this is like one of the first times in human history where if a boatload of people show up, it's a good thing. You know, it used to be when a boat showed up, you're fucked. Men are going to get <laughs> off that boat. They haven't seen pussy in a hundred years. Right. They have guns. They have no food. They Disease. all have rickets. They're all <laughs> scurvy and shit. And they're just going to fucking shoot arrows at everybody and rape everybody and take all your food and light everything on fire. I mean, that's what people did. Right. Now they're tourists. Like, th- it's, a, it's a very weird time that we live in. It's very unique in that sense. Like, that, that's never happened before. So I think there's a slight erosion of this tribal attitude that, you know, people used to have. Be- and it's because of access, because we can go to places that we couldn't go to before much easier. And it's also because of information. Mm-hmm. Information, it's so, it's, when you have enough of these kind of conversations and there's enough articles that are written on the web, there's enough conversations like real legitimate objective conversations between people that actually know what's going on where they go over the the facts on both sides and try to come to some sort of a rational unbiased conclusion it changes the culture i mean slowly but surely access changes the culture access to areas changes and access to information changes right we're a part of that it's all going on right now and that's why this younger generation, these people that are growing up with n- n- no idea of life without the internet, are uh, they're, we're completely repulsed 
by these things that are happening. I think the people that, if you polled young people today in America, in Canada, in places where there's no conflict, and they don't have this ingrained sensibility that's due to having family members being murdered, you know, in front of them, and you ask them about nationalism, I think their attitudes have been will be radically different mm-hmm. than people that lived a hundred years ago. Totally, yeah. I think it's the homogenization of culture, and it's a lot of it's the internet. I mean, where else can you just see a guy getting raped by a horse and dying <laughs> other than the internet? I mean, a hundred years ago, we'd have never been able to see that. But I think it's true. I think nationalism, I think people are realizing how toxic it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more that they travel and the more that they reach out online to people across the world and they see that we're all fucking human, we all bleed the same, we all suffer loss the same way. And there's only so much you can do to indoctrinate someone to think that someone else is a lesser human being than you. And I think that the more we learn about what's going on and the more access we have, um, that's going to really, really erode. But fuck, I mean, the old guard is holding on. They're clinging on to that, man. They're trying. They're clinging on. Well, ideology is the only thing that glues everything in place still. Mm -hmm. Like when you have something like ISIS or you have like this Palestinian versus Israel Mm -hmm. conflict, the, the ideology of religion is one of the few things that unites people in this sort of very, very rock solid position that just, it's very hard to do with, when you have uh, a, a, an agnostic population, it's very difficult to get them to just accept that these people in Canada are douchebags and we need to go over there and fucking take their <laughs> pine trees. It just doesn't make any sense, you know? It, it, people would be like, what? We're going to go to war with Canada? Right. Can you imagine if for some reason we found, you know, this supply of diamonds or whatever the fuck it is in Canada and all of a sudden, you know, we started talking about Canadian terrorism and... Like, what? Like, we're going to go over to Canada? Like, you know, people be like, get the fuck out of here. They're like, but they look like us. How could they be evil? Well, this is the first time ever in my life I can recall um, the public's opposition to military action stopping military action, like Syria. Right. Like, when was the last time? Listen, put your hand, cup your hand to your ear and listen in the news for anything about fucking invading Syria. It, It doesn't exist anymore. The, 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 the conflict, the idea of the dialogue of, of going over there in military action, it's gone. It's gone. Because the overwhelming reaction to that goofy fucking President Obama speech, left and right, people are like, what? Yeah. You're going to put our children at risk? <laughs> You're going to send children over to fucking Syria for what? For what's going on over there? Oh, someone used gas? Oh, okay. Yeah, why is that the red line? Yeah. What about the 150,000 people who died at the hands of Assad and all these rebels and all the shit before that? It's like, why do we have these arbitrary, quote, red lines where that's when we need to go and impose military action? Like, what the fuck is that about? What? I would love to have been in the room when they talked to Obama and they're making that speech. Right. You're going to say, And that's uh, when you know, gas. like, and, and that's why I'm terrified of Hillary Clinton, man, because if you read um, some articles about who's really like, I mean, I, I think Obama, once again, he's a war criminal, he's a horrible president. And um, but Hillary's fucking crazy, dude. She's like as crazy as John McCain. They were like pushing him to get into Syria so hard. Hillary and Iran. Yeah. Hillary was like almost one of the most militant military hawks in his whole national security team. And man, that's going to be bad news if she gets in. I blame Bill. (laughs) Fucked her up. Made her angry. (laughs) She's probably a peacenik when she was younger. Probably a goddamn hippie. She looked like she was. She, she got the big like eyebrows, yeah. fucking no, like all those glasses. Years of dealing with Bill and his fucking Man. rampant philandering. <laughs> she wants to blow shit up now. Just anger. <laughs> That's how you create terrorists. We're lucky she doesn't have a dick. She had a dick. <laughs> Jesus Christ. She'd already be president, probably, right? But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it is amazing. And I think um, 
I don't know what the fucking think about this Ukraine shit, man. I, I mean, were you following all that crazy shit that happened with RT? Mm-hmm. Holy well, what happened? Shit. They were trying to send you over there, right? Dude, what, I... <laughs> what happened? What does that was? Because I, I remember reading that. Like, oh shit, they're trying to send Abby to Russia. Wait, I need to go. To go the to the bathroom. Oh, she's gonna, gonna fucking story. formulate her thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta fucking take some plug, deep breaths. Plug ting again. Oh, um, there's Hillary Clinton. Oh my God, look at that photo of Hillary Clinton. First of all, dude, don't zoom in because if you do, you miss the feet. Look at those goddamn Birkenstocks. She might have had the original pair of Birkenstocks in these pants. She's wearing these striped pants that look like a version of yoga pants. In some sort of a way, they're very tight. Who knows what kind of material they're made out of, but they're like multicolored, striped, and they're all, it's all pointing you towards her crotch in some weird geometric pattern. And she's got glasses on. What happened to the glasses? She still wear glasses? Kind of. Sometimes. Contacts. Yeah. I don't know. That's her. That's her when she was young. And Bill and, Hi look at, they were hippies. He had a, like a hipster <laughs> beard. And and she looked like a hippie. Wow. And they were uh, they were young students trying to make their way in the world. Yeah. Not inhaling. Not inhaling. Yeah. Fucking liar. <laughs> they weren't inhaling because they were putting it up their asses. Oh my god. It's so crazy. I heard they ate it. That's what you heard. I heard they ate brownies. Did I mean, you just make that up? No, I heard it. Someone said that he didn't inhale. That's why I said he didn't inhale because he didn't. Please, he inhaled. Ingested. Yeah, everybody. That smokes pot inhales. Stop. I, I tried it once. I didn't like it. If you didn't like it, you're hanging around with the wrong people. Come on, dude. You tell me any of those chicks that he hooked up with, none of them smoked a joint before they fucked? Get out of here. Look at her. That's before she wanted to kill people. If he's smart enough to be the goddamn governor of Arkansas, he's smart enough to know that weed enhances sex. <laughs> Guy's a freak. He's whipping his dick out all the time. Of course he's high. No, can you believe that he just like fucked some girl on the desk of the Oval Office with like a cigar and shit? Just like super. You gotta do what ballsy, you gotta dude. Do. Probably yeah, ballsy motherfucker. Let's imagine the stress being the goddamn president. Yeah, he needs to blow off some steam somehow. <laughs> Cut the guy a little slack. Hey, that was the. Hey, I I don't I don't give a fuck about people's private lives. They could have a million affairs. I mean, if you're a president, that's the last thing that we should be worrying about. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, if anything, it shows. It shows your character, and it also shows if you're in a really high-profile position of power, it shows that you may be vulnerable to, like, impulsive behavior, which mm -hmm. is kind of tricky. Because it's like, on one hand, yeah, I think that, you know, especially if you're not in the position to start wars and shit, like, you know, I'm not worried about what someone right. does, some, the fucking head of Nabisco likes to hire hookers like who's right, this shit i'm right. not gonna stop buying crackers you know what i mean right. it doesn't make any sense but when you're like in a political position when you're in a position of power that's the one time where i go maybe you should kind of look at their behavior because if they're doing right. like really blatantly ridiculous impulsive shit they might be like a out sociopath. of control <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they might be a sociopath, but even more importantly, they might be out of control. Because I've known some people that were completely out of control. Like they're just so powerful, they just think that they can mm -hmm. fucking do anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When, you know, if you're the head of a company, that's not really an issue. Unless there's some, Unless some sort of Eric effect. Prince of Blackwater. <laughs> yeah, it's a company <laughs> that kills people. That's, that's an issue. But, you know, if you're making tires or something, right. that's probably not an issue. Right. But if you're the head of a country that has the largest army the world has 
ever known, not by like a small margin, but like fuck Rome. Okay, right, we've got right. military bases in a hundred countries, nine hundred bases. Jesus fucking Christ! Like, but Clinton, <laughs> Clinton is the way I describe him is the last great American presidential dick slinger. They don't exist anymore. Dick slinger, yes. There's, they don't exist anymore. You can't do that right. anymore. There will be no more. Every guy from now on that gets into that role will be a Mitt Romney type. They'll be super bland, like just without any charisma whatsoever. Because guys with charisma, they get laid. Right. You know, like those JFK type guys who can captivate a nation. Those guys are pussy chasers. They can't, you can't have a guy like that as a president anymore. They don't exist. Right. Those charismatic leaders are like that charisma, that ability to do that is just too intoxicating to find that rare one that doesn't act on those abilities. Just, this is a different time. Right. We're going to have some weird ass fucking presence. I'm hoping that what it actually does is it eliminates the position. Because I think the position of president is the last great alpha monkey position. Mm -hmm. It's a dopey idea. This idea that one person is our figurehead, this one person that gets to make the decisions, and he can, the president could veto it. What? One guy? For right. 300, the one guy for 300 million? How's that fucking real? How is that still real? Right, and then I love how people, they blame him, and then they also excuse everything on him. They're like, oh, well, he, you know, a president can only do so much. But then they're like, but a president should be able to do this and that. It's like way too much fucking power. And then also the Supreme Court, I think, really pisses me off, though, because we're talking about a court that we have nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. And they're like the end-all, be-all arbitrators of a lot of different shit. And it's fucking terrifying because they're just fucking elected till death. They're appointed. They're basically like running this fucking monarchy. And it's it's crazy. It's disgusting. There's a couple fucking fascists sitting on the Supreme Court, and I don't want them to have the well, decisions Scalia? over. Scalia is a sick fuck. He's crazy. Alito and Sc Scalia still wants sodomy to be illegal. Yeah, like he, that's how fucking warped he is. Well, he's actually said if people choose to, if men choose to marry men, what's going to stop them from having sex with animals? You're like, I don't know where you're. That's a sick <laughs> fucking trajectory, dude. What's going to stop them from marrying pigeons? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. You're like, I'm sorry, how are you Supreme Court Justice? You know. It's unreal. You can marry pigeons all you want. I don't give a fuck. Um, I wanted to, yeah, so what were you thinking when all this fucking RT shit happened? I mean... I was worried about you. <laughs> I was worried about you because you, you were criticizing the, the Putin regime and, well, here's the thing, okay, and I've had... You know, many people tweet at me, oh, she's a mouthpiece for fucking Putin. Right, 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 right. She works for RT right. and this night. They give you an incredible amount of editorial leeway. It's very obvious if you watch the things, me as your friend, and knowing you and having these long conversations with you, and then seeing you talk on those, that's fucking Abby Martin, yeah. period. I don't know how much oversight they have over the things that you say, but when you're talking, this is, you know, this is your opinions on these things. And your opinions in, in many situations were critical of Russia and critical of Putin and critical of this military regime and their actions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was this backlash where they were saying they wanted to send you over. Where were they saying they were going to send Crimea. you? Crimea. And what, what area was this? What was going on there? So that was, that was like Russia did this military incursion into Crimea right when all the Ukraine coup happened. And then all of a sudden the Russian military is like making all these maneuvers on the border of Ukraine. And Crimea was basically the first little territory right there. It was fucking crazy because I hear, and this is what's so hard is like working at RT 
the world hates Russia right now. Like the world fucking hates Russia right now. And, and we're being told on the media all day, Putin's the, you know, the biggest villain in the world. We should all fucking hate Russia. And then we're seeing like all of this shit about the gay law and pussy riot and all this stuff. So it's really tough already to just be working there, you know, already. And it's even tougher to know what the fuck the truth is when we already know how biased the mainstream media is, especially the way that they're covering Israel, Palestine. So when they're all telling us one thing, but then all I'm getting is actual like Russian sources. I'm like, I don't fucking believe anything that I'm seeing. Right. Like, so like, you, are you getting like an agenda that you're supposed to? Oh no, I push? I have total editorial freedom. Here's the thing: RT Russia Today. You know it in the name. It's literally the name of what the bias is. It was created to put the Russian perspective out in the world. Um, of course, it's going to be fucking biased toward Russia. How did you wind up working for <laughs> Russia Today? That's a very strange position for someone as opinionated as you. It is. I was actually covering uh, Occupy Oakland, and RT was the only media organization like covering the protest movement. And so I kept seeing this weird like Russian channel out there, and I was like, I don't know what the, why the fuck this Russian station's covering Occupy. I was like, but it's great, and I'm so grateful to have this platform that they're at least covering what's going on. And and I really think it's because of RT's coverage, and they were nominated for an Emmy for it, that it really like we were able to see all the videos go viral. And I think it forced the mainstream media to at least pay a little bit of attention to Occupy. But that's how I got involved. I saw RT all over the place in terms of Occupy shit. And um, they wanted me to come and have a show. I mean, they they like their whole thing is they offer the perspectives that you don't see so they can like have the very extreme libertarian voice. And then they have like the socialist voice. They have like the anarchist voice. And it's just breaking through all the mainstream media bullshit. But when you're looking at the bias, of course, they're going to have a fucking pro-Russian bias. It's funded by the Russian government, just like you have the Al Jazeera's Qatar. The emir of Qatar funds Al Jazeera, just like BBC's run by the British fucking crown, dude. All Wait, but these- does, that, does that bother you working there? Um, it bothers me when people tell me that I'm a fucking propagandist and that I'm a mouthpiece for Putin because I've already displayed multiple times that I will risk my job to speak out against Putin if I feel like I want to and I have to. And that's what ha- well, that, that I've done it twice already. One time I saw all this military maneuvering in Crimea and I made a statement. And of course, the mainstream media picked it up, touted me as this anti-Russian hero just because they had no idea who I was. They didn't know how fucking controversial my show was and how I like criticized the U.S. empire all the time. So they picked the statement up, made me an overnight sensation, and then they quickly realized like I was way too controversial to be lauded. <laughs> so they ended up calling me like a fucking crazy conspiracy theorist, you know, lunatic. But what was really crazy about that, um, and I want to talk about RT some more, but what was so fucking crazy is if anyone's watched House of Cards, that's exactly how this shit actually operates in D.C. Like, I made this statement, and then this girl, Liz Wall, which was my colleague and actually one of my best friends in D.C., saw all the attention that I was getting, and she was just like a newsreader, very generic, never heard her voice any opinions. Two days after this happened, I was getting all this international press, and then so she resigns live on air. And is like, I can't work for Putin. I'm a ma- like, this is a horrible network. And we're and, you know, I, I'm for the truth. And I'm like pro-American and all this shit. And then she got picked up and, and, you know, lauded all this shit. And then I found out that there was actually this think tank called the Foreign Policy Initiative. This is where it gets fucking weird. Full of neoconservatives. It's the same people who started the Iraq war. Bill Kristol. You know, all these motherfuckers who basically forced us into Iraq, they're like the most militant neocon faction of the entire D.C. establishment. They've resurrected into a new think tank called the Foreign Policy Initiative. And I found out that Liz was like essentially being used by these people. These people 
probably reached out to her and they just said like, look, we're going to like help you get this media tour behind you because their whole platform, if you look at their mission statement, they want a new Cold War with Russia. That's what the FBI is all about. And then you saw Liz working with these dudes like she was just this fucking idiot pawn who was basically used by all these dudes in this neocon think tank to spread their agenda. And it it just it was so fucking crazy. And these people in this think tank are the ones that went out on the media and called me crazy. They were like, Abby's a false flag. Putin had Abby do this to make RT look like it's a legitimate news station. Like they let journalists have editorial freedom. They're like, Liz is the real hero because she quit. And she, like, hates Russia and, like, we should all pay attention to her. And I was like, this is fucking crazy. This is all, like, being manufactured. And that's why I was like, this is absolutely insane. And I just saw this media machine spinning and I was, like, the I was like being victimized by the media machine that I critique every day. That's fascinating. It was unbelievable. That's fascinating to watch propaganda disseminate, isn't it? Yeah. Fascinating Especially to watch when you're the <laughs> Seeds and water and grows and and then they they catch it and run with it. It's unreal, man. Um, so you're a Putin mouthpiece. That's what we've gotten out of this. <laughs> but and it was hilarious because I woke up the next morning after making that statement and I woke up to a press release saying, "We don't, you know, we don't push our journalists into saying what they need to say and like, you know, but that's why we're shipping Abby to Crimea." <laughs> and I was like, pardon me? I'm not fucking going to Crimea. It's a fucking war zone. Yeah, what did they say to you? What was the actual conversation with you? Because I remember they said, someone had said, we want to send her there so she can see it on the ground mm-hmm. and see what the situation actually is. What was their contention when they were saying that there was something wrong with your perception of it? Right. What was- so here's the, the problem. And I've learned a lot more about Crimea since I still stand by everything I said. But Russians have a very strong allegiance with Crimea because Ukraine is like half Russian speakers. Ukraine, I know like a a lot of Ukrainians that I know are literally identify with Russia. Like they speak Russian, they don't speak Ukrainian and shit. So Crimea to them was actually like they were scared and they did reach out and they wanted help. I'm, I'm not justifying the military action whatsoever. And I think it was really wrong to have these maneuvers right on the heels of this. What were they worried about with Crimea? Um, they were worried about the new, like, interim government and how there's just, like, a lot of lawness, lawlessness. There's, like, all this shit going down. And I guess they reached out and wanted this referendum. I don't know if it was a fair referendum. I don't fucking know. I'm not over there. But my boss and I think the boss of the whole RT operation really didn't understand what the fuck I was doing. They were like, I don't fucking get what you're talking about. They're like, we're Russian. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. You need to go over there and check it out. To me, I felt like it was a very Russian frontish punitive like threat. Like, oh, we're going to ship you there. You're gonna go so you'll Siberia. learn for yourself. Yeah. And I was like, what in the holy hell? Like, obviously I'm not going to go. And I told him, I said, look, I'll go if you give me like weeks that I can prepare for war training and making my own contacts in Kiev and shit. I was like, I would definitely consider going, but I'm not just going to go there tomorrow. Like, so what was the crazy. conversation? They pull you into the office. <laughs> Abby, want to talk to you about uh, some of the shit you said <laughs> on TV. And uh, we want to uh, send you over to a war zone. So I woke up and to this press release without even being asked. So I go into work knowing. And my boss calls me and he's like, hey, Abby, we need to talk to you. He's like, I have like he a... He has a Russian yeah, accent? Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, he's like we want to... He's like, I, I have a really great offer for you. I'm like, oh, you're going to send me to Crimea? Ship me there? I was like, is that the offer? Because I'm not going. And I was like, I woke up to already saying that I was... So maybe right. you guys got to get your shit together and like fix these narratives before you tell the world that I'm being shipped there. So were you worried about being fired? Were you ready to walk? Like- I was ready to walk at that point, And I was just trying to see 
what they were going to do. But I think I went into my boss's office and I was like, look, this is actually the best thing that's ever happened, RT. I was like, let me say what I want to say, because people call this network a Putin mouthpiece. And I was like, and, you know, for good reason, because it does parrot the Russian line. I was like, but if you let me go out there and fucking criticize Russia, that's good. Right. That's good. And I was like, even Fox News has diverse opinions on. They had Alan Combs, even though he was like <laughs> a little Neutered. pussy. Yeah. You know what I mean? But at least they had that space right. where they could be like, we, you know, we have liberals on sometimes. It's right. like, you need that if you want to be legitimate. And so I was like, fucking run with it. Let me do my thing. And at the end of the day, I give them inordinate credit for fucking letting me stay uh-huh. and letting me be there. And, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but you cannot say the same for a lot of corporate media stations that fired people for criticizing war, which is even scary to me because those aren't even funded by the U.S. government. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, yeah, they're all terrified of the wrath of the U.S. government, the access to stories, the access to interviews. You know, whenever you see Obama sit down with Bill O'Reilly, cross-legged, you know, they're sitting there (laughs) like two gentlemen, they're fucking... Their feet dangling over their other <laughs> knee. It's like all casual. Jerking each other off under the so table. Fucking yeah. bizarre it's and strange. It's really incestual. It's weird because you know that there's certain things that they're not allowed to say, questions they're not allowed to ask. Like you don't get that job unless it's you're safe as fuck. Exactly. You're walking into a nerfed room. You know, and O'Reilly can pretend to play hardball, but it's going to be about economics or Obamacare or something like real. You knew it was going to be about Benghazi, IRS, and Obamacare. Like he probably they probably already agreed to the terms. It was all pre-taped, all that shit. Well, we we tortured some folks. (laughs) (laughs) But I went after this whole thing happened, so I was like, I went on Piers Morgan. And Piers Morgan... What a dickwad that guy is, That was huh? hilarious because he had no idea. Like, he, he just thought that I'd go on there and just talk all this shit about, like, throw my network under the bus, throw all my work that I'd done there under the bus and just be like, so, you know, you're working for this overt propaganda machine. I was like, no different than you, bro. Like, no different than you. I was like, fucking look at what you guys have been doing. You guys have been warmongering us. He's a fool. It's unbelievable. He's he's a very strange fool because I find it incredibly odd that they gave that guy that job after his whole scandal with. Oh, I know the phone tapping tapping scandal. Victims' phones. And then, did you ever see Chelsea Handler manhandle him? Mm-hmm. She handlered him. That was really awkward. <laughs> she destroyed him. It was hilarious. Oh, it was. She be- seemed so beautiful. irritated. She's like, I don't even want to fucking be here well, right now. She's, she's rich as fuck. She doesn't yeah. give a shit. She's a a, a comic and a drunk, yeah, and, sure. and and has it all out on the table. She gives zero fucks. You know, so Pierce Morgan not paying attention to her and not even talking to her and in between takes and going over his notes and fucking reading his Twitter. And shit. Yeah. yeah. Dickhead. But I think self-censorship is probably the biggest issue that you see on media. And this is the point that I was trying to make is that I'm obviously like the only thing that I self-censor about is Russia because it's funded by fucking Russia. The money comes from everywhere. Even if you're looking at Piero Midiar, there's a lot of fucking dirty money that's going into that like a lot of neoliberal fucked up policies that he's done. It's like, no matter what, if you want the platform, unless you're Joe Rogan and have the Joe Rogan experience, the money's coming from somewhere fucking shady, man. Well, you could do the Abby Martin experience. I think I might, man. I mean, <laughs> I think I might at some point, but it's just like- You might have to, You right? know what I mean? I mean, if shit, gets, if shit keeps going spiraling out of control, I don't know how much longer I can like- be at an organization um, with dirty money and still not, you know, not feel like a hypocrite and shit. But it really does come from everywhere, whether you're looking at MSNBC, NBC, CNN. And I think that 
the biggest problem is that those have dozens, if not hundreds, of um, conflicts of interest. At mm-hmm. least you know RT's Russia. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get news about Russia from RT. That's right. pretty obvious. But if I'm watching MSNBC, how many dozens of corporate advertisers am I not going to get the truth about? Right. How much are they self-censoring about the U.S. or about Israel? You know what I mean? And so that's where it gets really tricky because even though it's much more of a gray area, and I'd rather know the bias and I'd rather know exactly who's funding the organization so I can maneuver around that and get the truth. It's working for any company that gets their money from various sources, whether it's the Russian government, whether it's corporations that sponsor shows and want you to keep a non-confrontational, non-controversial stance on their network because they have this agenda, because they're trying to promote as many products as possible during their commercial breaks. I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons because they want to negotiate good guests. They want to make high profile political guests feel at home. Mm-hmm. So they have to mm-hmm. censor opinions. Access. Yeah. It's all about access. access, baby. Yeah. You know what we were saying before about absolutism? That's what, that's why I work for RT because if I was an absolutist, I'd be living in the fucking jungle drinking rainwater. Yeah. I have an iPhone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can criticize, you know, the NSA a lot but Mm -hmm. look at fucking Facebook and Apple they're all working with the NSA they're offering these back doors I use these tools because I care more about the truth and I'm giving up and I'm compromising my moral values a little bit because I'm not a fucking absolutist because I believe in the bigger picture that this is a platform that's going to get the truth out to as many people as possible that I'm using Facebook to spread the message about this and that. And I, I value that more than I do like cutting off all social media because I believe in privacy to the absolute extreme. Mm -hmm. So I guess there's a lot of compromises that you make living in the society that we live in. And, you know, it's just tough. Uh, You mentioned commercials, dude, pharmaceutical industry. The U S is only one of two countries in the entire world that allows direct to consumer advertising about pharmaceuticals and guess who's fucking preventing weed legalization in the u.s yeah partnership for a drug-free america which is hilarious unbelievable they are funded by pharmaceutical companies drugs fund anti-drug commercials kid kid groups and shit (laughs) like kids for a drug-free america you're like you're peddling but yet you're giving adderall to two-year-olds well, they used to take money from alcohol companies. They stopped. They, they, now it's just pharmaceuticals. <laughs> it's unfucking real. Partnership for a drug-free America. Yeah, I, I had a joke that it was just like hookers doing commercials against strippers. Like that's that's <laughs> partnership for a drug-free America having commercials against weed. Pharmaceutical drugs kill a lot of fucking people. Weed kills zero. Like the idea behind it is so hilarious. It's just gross. It's gross yeah. and more transparent now than ever before. And that's why, you know, you're not seeing that talking dog commercial anymore. It's really hard to push those things. It was just a few years ago. You know, Lindsay, I wish you wouldn't smoke weed. You're not the same <laughs> when you smoke it. I wish you were on Oxys. So you just yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. snort some Oxys <laughs> instead. <laughs> take some fucking take some Adderall, get shit done. <laughs> Become a part of the workforce, Lindsay. Yeah, become a more high-functioning yeah. worker. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Adderall, man. That shit's everywhere. I know so many people that are on that now. It's oh, my God. It's really confusing. It's like you become some hyper-vigilant corporate entity, some p- mass-producing consumer, this, this person that can work 16 hours a day hardcore, and you just taxing and redlining your system all day insane yeah i know a dude's got a serious problem with it he can't get off it 
He fucking loves it. Yum, yum, yum. Chomp, well, chomp, chomp. 10,000 <laughs> kids right now. Think about how many fucking kids. Two to three years old are on Adderall. Oh, yeah. They're Adderall, fucking Ritalin. toddlers. What mm-hmm. are you prescribing to fucking babies? Babies being a baby. I'm tired of it. <laughs> Can't deal with it, doctor. Get them on drugs. Well, I had a next door neighbor. There's nothing wrong with their kid. They got their kid on Ritalin. Or oh something, God. one of those things, Prozac, Ritalin, something, some sort of a, a control the fucking kid drug. And yeah. it was really bizarre, bizarre to see this little kid become like a zombie, you know, just like dead, dead eyes. It's insane. Wandering around. I mean, they these people were such shitty neighbors. They had a dog that was just so wild. They they had a weird fence, like they kind of had a fence, but any dog could go over the, like they had a, a fence <laughs> that was connected to a hill, so the dog could just go up right. the hill and over the fence. And I was like, bro, <laughs> you got to put a real fucking, like their dog would growl at me and shit. And I told him that his dog growled at me and he made up some crazy story about my dog getting out and like the dog tried to attack like him. He, he grabbed it by his neck. He was like this fucking fat out of shape dumpy dude I'm like you grabbed that dog's neck and kept that dog from my dog's a big dog I'm like that dog didn't try to bite plus my dog's not aggressive like you're an asshole right just making up some story because his dog is creepy his dog would like growl at people <laughs> and shit so um it's the same guy that had this kid that was just a kid it was just a kid and they just didn't want to deal with it they didn't want to deal kids need a god they need attention the mom was whacked out of her mind on all sorts of fucking pills and the father was just sort of absentee, worked all day, 12 hours a day, every day, never home. And then when he was home, the kid was too much noise. So like, put the kid on pills. Get him on pills. I was just, you know that crazy show, My Strange Addiction, where people eat like fucking upholstery and shit? <laughs> like you, I was watching one where they're fucking eating tape, like scotch do you tape. Think third world, do you think third, third world countries have that problem? Or is no. it just this vacuous, like vapid, like identity crisis of Americans just being like, what the fuck is life all about? I don't know. I mean, I'm generalizing. American culture maybe well, way too much, but I've always like, where does said, that come from? Well, people are fucking soft, you know? It's This life is a little bit too easy. It's a little too easy to go to the supermarket and get mm-hmm. your food. It's a little too easy to drive in the jack-in-the-box and get your food. It's a little too easy to exist in this weird world that's completely and totally unnatural. This cubicle world, this world of sitting in a desk all day. It's just not natural, and we're fucked up. We're, we're, we're all really screwed up because of that, because of this unnatural existence that our bodies are not designed for, right. our minds are not designed for. So people get wacky. They start eating tape. They start <laughs> chewing on fucking upholstery and eating curtains. And, you know, it's fucking strange. I mean, if you look at like a perfect example is it's all about access, right? Because in Florida, they have they it's better now. But they had a real issue for a long time before, um, before they put out that documentary, the Oxycontin Express. That was crazy. Yeah, where they those um, health centers or whatever that they just yeah fucking... pain management centers. What what's the address of those? Yeah, they're everywhere. <laughs> it's not an address. It's just like close your eyes and throw a dart at the map of Florida, and you'll fucking hit one. And they were one stop shops, which. Is disturbing enough, but what's more disturbing was that they didn't have a database. So you could go to uh, Dr. Jamie over here and get a prescription, and then you you could go down the street and go to Dr. Mike and get a prescription from him, and then you can go down the street further to Dr. Michelle and get a prescription from her, and there's no one to stop you. There's n- there's no one to know what you've done. They, there was nothing, and so because of that, there was this insane number 
of people that were on Oxycontins. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll pull up the data. I'll pull up the actual. But the number of prescriptions of people, um, of prescriptions that people had Oxycontins in Florida as opposed to the rest of the world. And it's also where all the drug yeah. peddlers go to buy it. And then they just mm-hmm. go to their respective states and sell. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, it was it was real nuts. It was something like ninety percent. No way. Yeah, ninety percent of the um, of all of the prescriptions in the country were in Florida. Holy. Yeah. <laughs> well, Americans have. I mean, we consume more opiates than any other country in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like some insane stat. Like forty percent of Americans are on like at least. I I think it's honestly like five pills or more. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I might be exaggerating, but remember how last time, Joe, we were talking about the opium in Afghanistan? Yes. Did you hear that we are, the NSA is tapping every single phone call and storing it and recording it in Afghanistan? That convinced to me, that sealed the deal that we're like running drugs from there. I was like, so you're telling me that all every single audio phone call that's made is being tapped and stored by the NSA and we're still allowing 90% of the world's heroin from coming out of there? That's even fucking crazier. Well, it is, but see, what people get confused about when it comes to this idea of tapping phones is that there's a person that's monitoring Abby Martin, there's a person that's monitoring me, there's a person that's got Amber Lyons' number. No, it's all just being stored. And if you get arrested, then then they're going to go through your shit with a fine-tooth comb and they have all this data. But until you get arrested... They're just, you know, it's just... It's, oh, yeah, 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 totally. They, it's the retroactive prosecution. It's the ability to frame a case about you going back in your history and doing all this shit. Like, you can implied pick one blackmail. thing that you said. Exactly. Implied blackmail is what it is. It's like it, it, it keeps you on the up and up. It keeps you from challenging authority because if you do, they know a lot of shit about you, Abby Martin. I guess my point is that if you, if we wanted to stop the opium trade, it wouldn't be that hard. Yeah, I probably mean, wouldn't be as, as hard. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, dude, when people know that they're being watched, we we're talking about, you know, the generation, the internet generation, the problem is that there's no semblance of privacy with the generation growing up next. Um that's all gone and people react differently they act differently when they know that there's a camera on them, when they know that they're being recorded. And what is that going to do? For just independent thought. And I just hope that we can, um, I just, I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, man. It's just, it's getting really crazy. Um, The surveillance state is just really, really out of control. Well, the only thing that's fascinating to me is that it's starting to eat itself. Yeah. It's like, it just came out recently that the NSA was, they were using surveillance on the Senate. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's like you're, they're, they're eating themselves. Like, and then the FBI was being investigated. They was investigating the CIA and that's how they found the head of CIA was having an affair is because they were, they were all investigating each other. It's like they're eating themselves. Like they, they, they've, they've gone to cannibalism. That's one of the things that many people are not aware is that a lot of government agencies don't like the other government agencies. <laughs> right, right, right. It's fucking right. hilarious. <laughs> you assholes are supposed to be on Team America and the fucking FBI and the CIA have issues with each other. They don't share information. They go back and they have fucking real problems. You know, I, I think that ultimately the the evil and the, 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 the sort of creepy behavior that's involved in the surveillance state 
will prove to be its own undoing because they're going to investigate each other. Mm-hmm. They're going to expose each other's issues. They're going to, you know, they're, they're attacking each other. Like, they're, this whole thing. I mean, the, the fucking head of the CIA, the number one spook in the country, gets investigated by the FBI, and he loses his gig because it turns out that he's having an affair. I mean, if that doesn't show you right. how crazy this is, and that, that guy, Petraeus, who lost his gig, was... You know, I mean, you remember during the Iraq mm-hmm. war, he was like, he was like Jesus of the battlefield. Right. He was like the guy that everybody went to. He was Isn't the- it funny that an affair can take you down and not like war Hilarious. Crimes? Yeah. With the cra- <laughs> some crazy bitch that was banging a lot of dudes. <laughs> like, who gives a fuck? She was like into fucking right. uh, high level military guys. Right, right. You know? And they That's were- just her thing. They were kind of like weird swingers yeah. it, when it comes to, you know, hired killers. Very strange. Just very strange. Did yeah. you hear about that other leak about GCHQ, which is like the NSA counterpart in Britain? They actually- it came out that they're manipulating polls and online traffic. And essentially, like, you know, the whole, like, yes. whoever controls the past controls the present. Well, these pe- motherfuckers are controlling the present and the future because if you're manipulating polls, that right there can change the course of, like, the political evolution of mm-hmm. the country. If you're like, oh, well, 90% of UK citizens agree with this, what, are you going to, like, say yeah. no? And it's like, yeah. you're just fucking making that shit up. Yeah. Like, you could just make it up now. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. But again, then that the information comes out that that's what's going on right. and it makes it sort of invalid. Like I hope anybody could, so, man. I, can't, I think kind of in a way it does. You know, it's like, look, like the more the information comes out, the more the information gets in the hands of the people, the more that information becomes invalid. I mean, it's, it, or at least it becomes a weapon that's used against them. Like the Petraeus situation, like... Petraeus is like he was teaching at City College of New York, mm-hmm. and as he's walking, he has to walk. Did you ever see it? Yeah, the war the, criminals. The, the stuff. kids follow him yeah. and scream war criminal yeah. at him, and you're like, "Whoa, this is crazy! This guy doesn't have any protection." Like they they jettisoned him. They took this guy <laughs> who was like the head killer, right? He's the head military guy, the top dude, who apparently. Like, he would take credit for stuff that other people really deserve credit for. There was a lot of dissent. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, uh, a lot of real issue in the military community. They had issues with this guy. I don't, you know, I don't know how much of this is true or not. But watching him walk down the street while these kids are yelling war criminal. They're holding up these signs and they're saying, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back every day you're teaching. And it's like, this is crazy. Who, who fucking expected this? And he can't do it. Let's see if we can pull, pull that video. Yeah, that's Let's great. see if we we'll find it. It's a fascinating yeah. video. It's fascinating. Because it's like, who would have ever expected? How would he have ever expected that a chick he was banging right. led to this? Right, 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 like, right. What a weird yeah. world we live in. Well, you could be the head of a military machine that's a, responsible for, what was the, 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 it's between X hundred thousand and a million innocents died in Iraq, right? Uh, over a million. Yeah, there well, was like a 2007 poll that was a million back then. Yeah. And I can't even imagine a million. how much it is a, now. A, a thing of a pile of a million bodies. Good luck trying to wrap your head around that. It's unbelievable. But watching this guy, this here is it great. is. It's fair. <laughs> And he's just walking. Citizens arrest. Piece of shit. There's blood all over you. Wow. Why are you teaching at What do you have to say? So strange. 
every class, class David. David. Wow. Every class, David. Every class, David. And he doesn't know what to do. He's a camera in his face. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't do anything. He just keeps walking. But there's no one with this guy. Right. That is really crazy that he just probably thought he could slink off. And he's jaywalking, arrest him. <laughs> That's illegal. Wow. They don't touch him, though. Yeah. They get in his face. Yeah. They yell at him. But they never get in front of him. Right. They get to the side. They don't stop him. Wow, he just keeps walking. It's just like, I mean, well, what's so weird, John Yu, the guy who basically codified torture, is still working at Berkeley. He's just still a teacher there. Like, I don't, it's fucking crazy. Who is he? John Yu, he's the guy who actually wrote, like, the torture justification in the Bush, like, torture memos. Like, he actually wrote the law to actually legalize torture. Not legalize it, but codified it so that it was essentially legal. (sighs) Yeah, and he's a fucking criminal, man, and he's just working at Berkeley. I love when people do that, though. I mean, Kissinger, what kills me is that, like, the, the oldest motherfuckers like Kissinger and Bush Sr. It's like how and Cheney. It's like, God damn, you guys have had all the luck that you can go skydiving when you're like 99 years old and you're like a war criminal <laughs> like Bush Sr. It's like, how are you? How are you so lucky? Oh, man? God. Um, 22 times more oxycodones uh, wow. are prescribed in Florida than anywhere else in the country. And these pain centers are just still operating? Like They're still operating, but they've cut them back. And this is where it gets really crazy. The These poor people that were hooked on this shit, now they have to go illegal because right. there's no options. It's it's become a serious issue for, for people that live in Florida because, you know, you essentially have, like, all these people that are hooked and they're, they're kind of collateral damage. You know, this, 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 like, Oxycontin Express comes out. Everybody finds out about this issue. And the pharmaceutical companies are just raking it in, raking it in. And they've made a bunch of people addicted. Right. They've, they've created all these addicts by giving them this access, this insane access. Like, go, what's wrong with you? My back hurts. Here's a prescription. Go right yeah. next door. And they go right next door and they give them pills. And the, the hardest pills to kick on the planet. I mean, within a couple of days, these fucking things are deep in your bones and you're fucked. I have a, I have a, a relative. Mm-hmm. Fucking guy just lost everything. He, he became a junkie. I watched. I watched him have a regular job and then just become a lying piece of shit that never works and just always is on pills. It's fucking legal heroin. Mm-hmm. It's, that's yep. exactly what it is. It's, it's like easy. it's it's even crazier. It's more concentrated. Mm-hmm. And you just have to swallow it. You don't have to shoot yeah. up. You don't have to fucking get a, 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 a rope. You don't have to get a needle. You don't have to stick a needle in your arm and find a vein. You don't have to do any of that. Just pop a pill. Boom. <sighs> Suck on it. It's just it. unbelievable that we are living in a country where weed is still a class one drug. Schedule yeah, one, sorry. It's cute. Well, Isn't did it? you see Isn't the United States um, nice. response? The New York Times wrote a, the op-ed uh, saying an op-ed. Should, yeah. And the, the, the government had a response, and the government's response is fucking hilarious. What is it? What is it? It's so stupid. I'm, I'm looking <laughs> for it right near. Um, uh, Dave Seaman pulled it up. Uh, 
if you look on my uh, Twitter from July 31st, I retweeted it. But it's uh, the response is so goddamn goofy. Marijuana use affects the developing brain. Okay, here's the problem. All right. of their arguments are all about children. Well, they're talking about marijuana use amongst adults. Right. It had no bearing on the conversation. It doesn't make any sense. It's completely That's irrelevant. A great point. But their first two points are about children. Marijuana use affects the developing brain. Substance use in school-aged children has a detrimental effect on their <laughs> academic achievement. Yeah, you wonder why. First of all, it's substance use, which includes alcohol, which is legal. Right. It includes oxycodones, which are legal. It inclu- includes a lot of shit, Ritalin. which is legal. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of things acute. Yeah. Students who received, and this is on the fucking federal government's website, students who received earned D's or F's were more likely to be current users of marijuana than those who earned A's. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Those they're they're high and they're not paying attention right, in class. Right. What are you trying to say? Probably getting high because they're yeah. not paying attention in class. None of that. Like, school for the most part sucks a fat dick, and that's probably one of the reasons why they're high as fuck and not paying right. attention. School. You're trying to stick a round kid into a square hole, and most kids don't like it. And most kids that are creative, anybody that thinks exactly. outside the box, anybody that has any sort of aspirations in any sort of alternative career outside of the academic process of you know getting a degree getting a job getting a cubicle following this very rigid pattern yeah the people have a problem with it people have a problem with people telling them what to do and they get d's or f's they yeah they're more likely to be the kind of kids that'll get high you're right right. and that's why finland has the best fucking education system in the world because they have like very personalized education because they know everyone isn't uniform robots that fit into like a perfect little thing a perfect package that everything's standardized and this and that and when we're talking about like the the vapid nature of of people who like take all these fucking drugs to try to fill this void or eat upholstery and tape and shit and glue, <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, when you're living in a culture that tells you that working is the best, like if you work hard, you can get anything that you want, and that's not just that's just fucking not true anymore, man. The American dream isn't available for everyone. It never really was. And it's just not possible anymore. And I think people just still want to hold on to this dying fucking dream. And we work harder than almost every other fucking industrialized nation. We're the only country, literally North Korea and Saudi Arabia both offer this and we don't. Paid maternity leave. We don't even offer paid maternity leave. So what the fuck? I mean, it's just nuts. It's like, I think that we just put work above all else and we're just working ourselves to death. And it's really not what life is all about. Like, even if you wanted to work and get money and really what are the chances of you getting your dream job where it doesn't feel like you're working um so ultimately you're going to be fucking miserable working your ass off just to get the money sitting in traffic fucking coming home you can't even have time to fuck your wife or like make dinner and you just it's just like this horrible cycle of course that they're going to abuse shit of course you're going to abuse drugs like there's no purpose because the purpose that you've put as your god is money and as much as we all love to buy shit, like at the end of the day, that's not going to fill the void of what the meaning of life is and no. why you're here. That's the real issue with materialism as well, is a lot of times people resort to materialism to sort of placate themselves because they're so miserable with their job. Mm-hmm. that they're, At least I'm going to get a reward. I'm going to buy that fucking exactly. Lexus. They're, they're at least going to get themselves a nice watch. They're at least going to get themselves a big TV. They're gonna, that's going to be at least make me feel better for this fucking creepy existence that I've sort of locked myself into that I get to do till I'm 65, and then what? 
Then right. what? Then fucking watch my knees give out, watch my, my back give out, watch my body decay. What are the options? I don't know. I would say to anybody that's listening to this that's confused, if there's another thing that you want to do, please at least try to do it. Find a way. Other people have. You know, this, this idea that you should work for a company in some thankless, loveless position and just keep doing it until the wheels fall off. Don't have kids until you have to, okay? Right. Don't fucking get a mortgage until you have to. Don't do it. I mean, just don't do it when you're young. Don't do it. Don't lock yourself in to needing a certain amount of money every month. Don't do it until it's mandatory, until it's necessary. Right. And you could find other paths. People can find other paths. You're not going to find it paying attention to the fucking news. You're not going to find it paying attention to most school teachers. You're not going to find it paying attention to most of the standards that people hear applied to human beings. That's why D.C. is so fucking weird because you're... That's where you live, right? Yeah. It's fucking creepy, man. You're in the belly of the beast. I'm, I'm getting out of there soon. <laughs> I told go? my boss, I was like, there's no way I can be here for another year. I don't know. Big sir. Big Sur. Go, Live in a go, cave. Go the opposite. No cell phone reception. Do the, do the Karak shit yeah. and just fucking move out there. Satellite internet. I'm serious, dude. <laughs> After, like, I'm going to take a long break. But but DC's so weird because everyone there, it's just like Hollywood for ugly people. You've heard that saying. But it's mm-hmm. fucking true because everyone there is a predator. And everyone there, they look like a pudgy-faced Carl Rove, baby-faced that little, like, so doughboy. And they're all, like, these white dudes wearing plaid and all they're doing is just trying to find out how they can fuck you over to try to get like, you know, use you to do this. And it's just a super creepy, predatory place. And it's full of a lot of soulless people. And they're all like they've all navigated there because they feel like they can streamline their careers and just fuck over humanity, essentially. I mean, I know that they're obviously going there with more altruistic goals. But it's just sad that they are bred to say, like, you know, this this is all that matters is money and power, essentially. And power just corrupts the shit out of people. And they just lose sight of so much. Like, once you're in that bubble, you can't really see outside of it. And it's just all this, like, minuscule shit that you think that you're changing stuff. And really, like, on the grand scheme of things, you're just kind of perpetuating the same system. And I just think it's bad. I just feel like I'm, yeah, there's not really too many radical voices out there. I have learned a lot more about like the incompetence of government now that I'm living there, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've changed my mind about some things because I've seen how fucking stupid everyone is and how like much in a bubble people are. I'm like, OK, I, at least I understand why things are the way they are. A you mean bit. as far as like the ideas of conspiracy theories as opposed yeah. to just total incompetence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I feel the same way. The more I've paid attention to more things, the more I go, listen, man. There are conspiracies, Absolutely. for sure. They no have doubt. always existed. They probably will until we have total transparency as far as people's thoughts and actions, which may be coming a lot sooner than we think. But more likely than not, there's there's terrible incompetence, and then there's people that are capitalizing on events. Exactly. And because people capitalize on events, a lot of times people say, you got to look who benefited from this happening. Actually, no, because anytime any tragic event happens, people benefit from it. So it doesn't mean they cause said tragic event. And that's where a lot of these conspiracy theorists, they make this really egregious error in judgment. Because it's not that they caused the event and that's why they're benefiting because they planned it out. Right. It's usually that shit is just fucked from the get-go. Like 9-11 is a perfect example. So many people have benefited from 9-11. And there's a lot of people that try to directly correlate those people that have benefited from 9-11 with having planned out 9-11 mm-hmm. with very little evidence. But 
there's there's an old saying i forget how it goes exactly but to paraphrase it is like the, uh, there's any tragedy that is not capitalized on is is a waste and that this is like a staple of governments that they they look at any any situation where things go wrong like Oklahoma City perfect example when they blew up the federal building whoever did it whether it was Timothy McVeigh whether it was the fucking Illuminati whoever blew up that building one of the things that happened was they started changing the laws on mm-hmm. on the the ability to act against terrorism, homegrown terrorism. They used to they used the term uh, light. What is it? Not light skin terrorism. There was a f- clean skinned. I forget what the term that they started the using. Fuck? Yeah, the idea of uh, looking for a terrorist that you know is like a white man instead right. of looking right. for Arabs. Oh, the homegrown. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. homegrown. But it was like, the, the, I think the term is like literally clean skin mm-hmm. terrorists or something like that. But <laughs> they changed the laws. They changed the laws directly because of the Oklahoma City bombings. Um, I, after the, after I like got propelled in the mainstream, they resurrected all the shit that I'd done about 9-11 because I used to be in the 9-11 truth movement. And they were like, you're fucking crazy. Here you are on video f- six years ago saying it was an inside job, all this shit. And I was like, look, I don't think it was an inside job. As a journalist, that would be extremely irresponsible to claim that you know anything. All I can do is point out things that I feel are wrong with the official story. I feel like there's a lot of things that are wrong with what we've been told. Does that mean that we know what happened? We can go out there and declare it? No. Um, And really, at this point, all we can do is point out the people that benefited, the people that exploited it. um, Because it's just the fact that you're just you know you're just called a conspiracy theorist it's this catch-all phrase that you can just use to shut down debate but i still have some questions about 9-11 i have a lot of questions about 9-11 but i don't i don't go out there and say it was an inside job well what specifically do you have questions about i have questions about the insider trading the fact that there were dozens and dozens of warnings beyond just the initial pdb given to condoleezza rice saying bin laden determined to strike within the u.s there's like dozens and dozens more directly to the top of the intelligence and the fact that they I don't blame that just on incompetence. I think that someone turned a blind eye at the very least in that respect. And then we know that people bet that the stocks would fail and they fucking made a shitload of money on it. Who were those people? They never investigated it. So there's just certain things like that 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 make me me raise eyebrows. But, you know, do I go out and say building seven and shit like no because i just think at this point all we can do is point to the questions that we have and point to how they've used the event but i think that in in terms of all these school shootings and shit the problem with this movement is that it started off i was drawn to it because i'm like i you know i'm i like to question the narratives that i'm given because i i think that they lie about a lot of shit and rewrite history but then it's turned into this kind of conspiracy culture where there's like a conspiracy like fucking ink it's like making money off everything and you're capitalizing on everything everyone wants to be this celebrity on youtube making these fucking paranoid videos about the illuminati and every school shootings controlled and a false mm-hmm. flag and i'm just like this is just that makes me just never want to touch that shit again because i'm right. just like you guys have actually ruined just asking questions like yes we should all ask questions but when you're just going out there within hours of every event saying it's a false flag you're actually making people like never wanting to question like the, the origin of these things. And that's dangerous. Well, which is disinformation right. agent's job. Absolutely. The idea of a disinformation agent is someone who connects some really credible ideas with some wacky alien on the moon fucking conspiracies that are so ridiculous that it makes the other stuff that it's connected to seem ridiculous. Exactly. Have you ever um, read the the debunking of all that, um, the insider trading stuff? 
It's pretty interesting. No. What is the debunking? Well, you, you can go to Snopes. Um, mm-hmm. Snopes has it. Um, here, I'll read it. Uh, in the days just prior to the uh, September 11th uh, uh, attacks, large quantities of stock in United and American Airlines were traded by persons with foreknowledge of the upcoming 9-11 attacks, right? That's what everybody parrots. Mm-hmm. False. Uh, origins. On 11 September 2001, four planes were hijacked and used in the attack on America, American Airlines Flight 11, leaving Boston bound for Los Angeles, blah, 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 leaving Newark bound for San Francisco. Each of these planes was deliberately uh, crashed, killing all on board, two into the World Trade Center Towers, one into the Pentagon. The operation uh, taken years to plan. The perpetrators knew well in advance. In the month prior to 11 September... Blah, 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 blah. Um, Unusual trading activity involving American United stock was noted by market analysts who at the time had no idea what to make of it. Wildly unusual discrepancies to put uh, in the put and call ratio, 25 to 100 times normal, were reportedly observed in stock options of the two airlines. In one case, Bloomberg trade book electronic trade trading system identified option volume in UAL, a parent of United Airlines, on 16th of August 2001. That was 36 times higher than usual. Um, but it was during the final few trading days that the most unusual variances of activity occurred. Okay, highly publicized allegations of insider trading of advanced 9-11 generally rest on reports of unusual pre-9-11 trading activities in companies whose stock plummeted after the attacks. Some unusual trading did, in fact, occur, but each such trade proved to have an innocuous explanation. For example... The volume of put options, instruments that pay off only when a stock drops in price, surged in the parent company of United Airlines of September 6th and American Airlines of September 10th, highly suspicious trading on its face, yet further investigation has revealed that the trading had no connection with 9-11 and a single U.S.-based institutional investor with no conceivable ties to Al-Qaeda purchased 95% of the UAL puts on September 6th as a part of a trading strategy that also included buying 115,000 shares of American Airlines on September 10th. Similarly, much of the seemingly suspicious trading in American on September 10th was traced to a specific U.S.-based options trading newsletter faxed to its subscribers on Sunday, September 9th, which recommended these trades. The SEC and and FBI, aided by other agencies and the securities industry, devoted enormous resources to investigating this issue, including securing the cooperation of many foreign governments. These investigators have found that the apparently suspicious, the consistently uh, proved innocuous. So what they're saying (coughs) is that the same company also bought a shitload of shares. What what source is this? I know it's on Snopes, but what's the actual citation? It's a good question. Um, because I just read the CBS report because someone was asking about this, and I wanted to like refresh my memory. And and I mean, people to this day claim that they still don't know. And and even the nine eleven commission said that they didn't investigate who made money off the attack because it was of little practical significance. So if that's explained, that's great. Mm-hmm. That still doesn't explain how rum like how you know Rumsfeld and Ashcroft and Willie Brown were told not to fly. Mm-hmm. Like who the fuck told them not to fly, and why weren't our lives as? How do we know that they didn't? They said they were told. They I were heard told. Willie Brown on the radio show saying I was told mm-hmm. not to fly. 
Rumsfeld and Silverstein, who worked in the building and he had breakfast every morning. He just didn't show up. I mean, I just think that people did have foreknowledge. I absolutely do. And also the whole funding operation. We know that there was $100,000 wire transferred to the lead hijacker from Mahmoud Ahmed, which was the head of Pakistani intelligence. And why the fuck weren't, wasn't that followed up? Like he was having breakfast with Condole- like with the White House mm-hmm. the week of 9-11. So it's like there's just things that I just don't fucking get. And I just feel like it was thrown under the rug. And the fact that Saudi Arabia basically financed this whole operation with Pakistan and we flew out all of bin Laden's family. Mm-hmm. That, that to me real. is just like, what yeah. the fuck is that? So even if you don't believe anything else, if you have no other questions, the fact that we are still tight with Saudi Arabia, funding them, allies with them, and they essentially like knew about the attacks and helped finance these hijackers is insane to me. That's insane. Yeah. it's Well, the word they is very weird right. too. When you start, they did this right, and right, they right. funded that. Well, who is they and who exactly? Well, we just know because proof. they came from the- No, no, no. We know- Bob Graham, look at fucking Senator Bob Graham has been screaming about this on the floor for the last 10 years saying they actually do know that they were financed by the Saudi Arabian government, that the Saudi Arabian government knew and the intelligence services knew about these hijackers, where they were. And and it's just unbelievable. And is it possible that our allegiance to Saudi Arabia financially is greater than the the desire for justice that yeah. we, we, we make so much money from Saudi Arabian I think it's oil? Very clear. Yeah. And that that's obviously probably the same reason why bin Laden's family was shipped out of the country. There's just so much money involved. I guess it just sickens me because if it really was the biggest deal in the world where they can implement a domestic police state and kill a million Iraqis and continue out this giant war on terror, wiretapping the planet because of it, the fact that they didn't want to investigate Saudi Mm -hmm. Arabia because like the oil money or whatever the fuck trumps Mm -hmm. the justice, that says it all. It it certainly does. It certainly says that there's some creepy shit going on and that this has been the way it's always been. I mean, this is the way they've always done business. There's a massive, massive amount of money in oil. The, The oil money is so hard for any of us to even... We to when you especially start talking about these oligarch families, these families that have insane amounts of money. Oh like yeah, more like they're not publicly traded companies. They're not. They're not. Uh, they're not. They don't have to pay taxes because they own countries. So like the ideas that we have of the richest men in the world, they're not really entirely accurate because our idea of Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and what about these Prince right. King yeah, dudes yeah, that yeah. nobody knows about who <laughs> own oil. They own massive amounts of money. I mean, the amount of money that these kings have and these princes and sheiks, like what, has anybody ever accurately got a a reading on how much money they have? Everyone watch House of Saud because it gives a really good background on Saudi Arabia. But I mean, it basically is like a hundred year old like regime because they just discovered oil and they rise to this this status. And if you just look at Saudi Arabia's relationship with the U.S., like we said, it tells you everything you need to know because of the utter hypocrisy in terms of human rights standards. I mean, Saudi Arabia is fucking disgusting. Zero rights for women. They used to execute gay people. I think they just imprison them for life now. So if we want to talk about Russia's gay law, that's fine as well we should. But for fuck's sake, let's talk about Saudi Arabia as well. What is up with Russia's gay law, though? What? what why are they so, like, worried about gay people? I think Russia, uh, you know, we're talking about a country that Soviet Union collapsed, what, like 30 years ago? So they're just like, I think they're going through a lot of fucking weird transitions where they're just kind of going through this evolutionary process. I'm not trying to defend them at all. I think mm. the gay law is terrible. 
Um, and they have a lot of horrible crackdowns on press freedom as well. Um, but I think it's just completely like apples and oranges when you're looking at Russia and you're like, how come you aren't as fucking free as us? It's like, well, the Soviet Union just collapsed 30 years ago. Like they're in a weird place. Like, mm-hmm. And yeah, they're run by a bunch of oligarchs and it's a lot of fucked up shit going on. But I just don't understand the totally egregious demonization of Russia when at the same time, you know, all these partnerships right. are just so much crazier. Yeah, we got to keep our mouth shut about yeah. that because that's where we're getting our oil from. <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's very simple. Shut, I have to go pee slippery again. Sl- ting. Do? How ting, dare ding, you? ting, 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 ting. It's a slippery, slimy world. And Abby Martin has the bladder of a small boy's fist. <laughs> well, we've managed to piss off a lot of groups today. I think we should be proud. Everybody hates us now. The Saudi Arabians, the the Jews, probably the Palestinians, Dennis Prager. Uh, who else? We could Hillary just Clinton. Hillary Clinton's probably mad at us. Betray Everyone's us. gonna go betray us as pissed. Yeah, they're all gonna we'll go to go down the list. Yeah, we live in weird times. It's, it's a weird weird time to do um, an internet show too, because you don't have a boss. Like you could never do this. You could never have this kind of a show and put it on television. Because if you did try to record it. Someone would come along and they would, you know, they would chop this out or hack that out and you can't talk shit about them or this or it's not, it's not the way it goes anymore. We live in a weird world. This world is changing too. It's getting weirder and weirder. And I wonder what it's going to be like 50, hundred years from now. If you go back and I was looking at this uh, video of Chicago and it was uh, Chicago at the, the turn of the uh, 20th century from the 19th century to the 20th century, like the early, early days of Chicago. And there's these people that are like riding horses down the street. And um, I don't remember when the first cars came about. It was like the 1800s, right? The late 1800s, they first had cars. So there was like a couple cars on the streets of Chicago, early 1900s. And this, uh, you look at this place and you like you see this like very quaint existence. These people lived in these uh, early 20th century we're talking about the difference between now and 100 years from now, as mm-hmm. opposed to 100 years ago, early 20th century Chicago. There was this video of these people riding fucking horses, horse-drawn <laughs> carriages insane. and shit. It's so weird. There was a couple cars. You know, there were these weird, goofy-ass cars that go like five miles an hour, run on steam and shit. But the the difference between then and now is just stunning. That's why we don't need, like, D.C. Like, we don't need these representatives. We don't have on horseback anymore. We don't have the fucking Pony Express. Like, we don't need these weird representatives that represent, like, 30,000 people, like, going and voicing. It's like yeah. the Electoral College is totally fucking irrelevant. Yeah. It's all bullshit. But do you think that it should be, like, is it possible that when you see people like Mitt Romney or you see people that are Scientologists, or that, that people could be too easily manipulated and that somehow or another this has to be filtered through representatives that understand the law but at least we know that these representatives who are going to cast the vote for their constituents these people are educated these people are moral these people are of high standards and high moral fabric it's it's gross the idea is gross because it's very elitist but would you like if you lived in Utah, okay? And I love Utah. I just got back. Would you allow the popular vote to decide a lot of things if you knew that there was a giant percentage of people that were in a weird cult that had some strange strange rules? 
But look, at if the popular vote was replace the Electoral College, then New York and California, which is full of, I think, a lot more intelligent people, um, would have much more of a poll. And you just don't even see politicians giving a fuck about those states because it all comes back to the like, they know that it's going to go this way or that way. And it's just, it's disgusting. But the numbers right. in the flyover states are gigantic. Right. 300 million people, 350, whatever right. it is in the country. How many of them are in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, how you know right. L.A. It's, is it a third? Because the other two third are dangerous. <laughs> You're right. That, those, that's actually <laughs> those fucking creepers. There's a, a giant percentage that God guns and ram. I you think. Know? <laughs> well, at least okay. So at least Europe. This two party dictatorship's just crushing us, man. Because when you know you have you have money in politics, which is like people spend half their time, if not more, fundraising. Right. So how could we ever get these people to really care about changing shit if they're just trying to make money to win the next election? And the elections here are just disgusting. This dog and pony show, it's like this fucking celebrity. They spent a billion dollars last time. You know, if you look at Europe, you can argue about the parliamentary system because, of course, there's fascist parties that get in and that's not good. But at least they have the avenues for other voices other than like two parties. And I think that it's just really dangerous to have this system. There was an interesting story in um, The Guardian uh, a couple weeks ago um, that was, uh, was the rise of data and the death of politics. And the idea was that tech pioneers in the U.S. are advocating a new data-based approach to governance, algorithmic regulation. But if technology provides the answers to society's problems, what happens to governments? And this idea was sort of, they're sort of extrapolating on that, that we're, we don't need these representatives mm-hmm. anymore. They're, 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 this, they're a legacy. They're this weird system that was in place when you had to fucking attach a note to a pigeon. And send that motherfucker loose right. to get the word out. You know, we don't need that anymore. You could directly, through your phone, you could directly cast your opinion on whatever it may be. You know, and if we still have a representative system, you could you could make the argument that that's suppressive. That that's suppressive of the individual's mm-hmm. right to choose for themselves. And then GCHQ can manipulate the polls. <laughs> Just yeah. but, I, but I think decentralization is really... I think it's really key. And with technology, you you see things like Bitcoin working outside the system. I think that we can, if we can maintain net neutrality, if the FCC wants to implement that and be fucking for the people for once instead of telecom whores, yeah, then we can we can really create some sort of decentralization online and try to create other avenues outside the system. Um, it's just a dangerous world because, as you're saying, the more information that we have, the less relevant these like authority and establishment systems will be but at the same time it can almost trap ourselves in a box like the algorithms online it can cater your own biases toward you where you all of your google search results are catered toward your bias and your Mm -hmm. preferential like you know searching habits and stuff so it's like what information the information that you're seeking might be different than the information she's seeking and that's not good to a free and open society too yeah, that is weird, right? It's the confirmation bias that comes from surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Exactly. You get re- really weird groups. You know, like if you've ever gone to like, uh, I like to go to like very bizarre websites and message boards and listen to people just debate about things. Like people that I just never would come in contact with in real life. And, you know, there's some right-wing Republican websites out there that are so bizarre. They're, they're so strange. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You guys are serious? 
like there was a Sarah Palin website launch <laughs> recently. You know about that? Yeah. She's got her own online TV channel, which costs more That's than That's where Liz Wall's going to be working. Liz Wall's going to get a job there probably. You the think? Girl, that's the only thing she could probably do. Smart enough to do. But I was reading the, the, the comments and it's like there were trolls. It's right. like there were like comedy trolls. <laughs> You know, it's, and then I realized, like, you look at the guy's profile and you follow his other comments and you go, oh, no, you're real. Oh, my God, you're a real person. You know, like, you know, God in capital letters is looking out for America. God blesses this fine land and people like Sarah Palin and true in all capital Americans are, you know, what we need to get this country back on track. Like there's a few shitheads that I follow on Twitter just for comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and but they're fucking serious. They're legit. Like they really just one guy. Let me find. Dude, this guy. it's so true, man. Everyone check out Margaret Heffernan. She has this awesome TED talk about willful blindness, and she has a whole book on like competition and the confirmation bias and how her whole thing it sounds so simple but the way she explains it is just like so mind-blowing and she's just like you need to interact with people who don't think what you do like you need this is like a part of human progress like you need to and it'll like reaffirm and you'll learn you can't just surround yourself with yes men your whole life you need to be Mm -hmm. challenged every day like look and not necessarily surrounding yourself with fucking trolls who are telling you you know what sarah palin's fucking great but watching the video like that dude mm-hmm. like the thing that we just watched the about Dennis israel Prater thing yeah like like do that see someone else's point of exactly. view exactly yeah. this is uh one, one of the guys that i follow whatever whatever label we stick on ourselves the kingdom all caps of heaven <laughs> is for who pleases the father all caps in heaven wow I love this guy. Wow. I Who is it? Some dickwad that it I'm not going to publicize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some a- little egg dickhead. Uh, oh, he's, no, he's got a face. He's just like some really retarded uh, right-wing dude. I, I love I love reading his stuff, though, because I just go, what? You're a real guy? You're right, you know? dude. It's so... And, I, and I'm, you know, I'm a victim of it, too, because it's like, who the fuck wants to hang out with like people who are, you know... They're pro that Israel. You're be fight- yeah. This guy's super yeah. pro Israel. Of course. Barack Hussein <laughs> pray, Obama used the IRS to attack America. This is what lying, low life socialist, communist, oh, anti Israel, no. anti US demagogue does. If they think Obama's a <laughs> communist, wow, they need to really. Uh, read you know what, some shit, dude. Well, he's, he's clearly a socialist. Yeah, it's like, Have no, you seen I- Obamacare? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, Obamacare is a disaster. The website alone has cost a billion trillion dollars, <laughs> and it eats babies. It runs on babies. That's how you Christian know someone's babies. very uncritical thinker if they yeah. think Obama's at remotely a socialist. Well, yeah, I don't know, but these cra- these crazy uh, super religious folks mm-hmm. um, also back Israel because they believe that Israel is where Jesus is coming back. Right. Right. Like, did you ever see the Vice piece where they send these uh, these folks? Uh, who are like super duper religious cuckoo heads? They no. fucking make their pilgrimage. They're Christians from America, and they make their pilgrimage to uh, to Israel, and they follow these people around, and they st- they're reading scripture like out loud on this fucking raft as they go. Oh, it's, it's glorious! It's glorious and all its shitheadedness. Uh, Joe, have you seen an idiot abroad? 
Uh, that's the the rich what's Ricky Gervais. It's fucking hilarious. I haven't seen it. It makes everything just look like shit. Like it makes all the seven wonders of the world just look terrible. Like this guy just miserable. He goes and puts him in the worst situations, puts him in the worst hotels and shit, makes his life a living hell, and he's just going around traveling, complaining about everything. It's fucking hysterical. Oh, it's God. awesome. Ricky Gervais is a genius. But I want to ask you: Have you seen the Vice special on Fukushima? Yes. Oh my good yes. God. Yeah, it's terrifying. I have a friend, my friend Ensign Inouye, he goes over there and he provides aid with people. He's Japanese. Yeah. And he, uh, well, he's, he was born in Hawaii, but he's lived in Japan for a long time and is Japanese of, you know, his nationality, his uh, ethnicity rather. But he's gone over there um, a, a bunch of times. He goes over there and does a lot of like humanitarian aid. And he's like, it's really strange because it goes, because you're over there and you feel normal. He goes, you feel fine, but then you look at your radar tech or your radioactive, you know, Geiger counter, or whatever, and it's just fucking off the charts. Like, <laughs> and you can only stay there for a certain amount of time because you don't feel anything. That's right. what's really weird right. about it. That's what's so fucked up about radiation. But I just, I mean, even though I study this shit every day, I did not realize until you see it, like until you see that that Vice special and you see the tanks, how every day they're filling this whole cool like reactor up with fresh water draining the radioactive water like multiple times a day storing it in hundreds of tanks that they're going to run out of room all the tanks are leaking mm-hmm. they're spilling like 30,000 gallons of, of fucking radioactive water in the Pacific Ocean every day they have no idea what the fuck they're going to do and as the water is leaking out of these tanks they take the soil dig it up and then store it in an empty lot like they keep it's like there's no solution and what are they going to fucking do yeah what are they going to do I don't know and then the Yakuza, they're hi- the Japanese government and TEPCO are hiring the Yakuza mafia there to help with the fucking cleanup because they owe them debt. So all these like old Japanese men want to help. They're like, we know how to, how to, like we've worked on the reactors our whole life. They're like, let us go. Like we're old, we can die. And they're like wanting to sacrifice themselves. And instead they're hiring mafia members from the Yakuza mob that have no idea what the fuck they're doing. It's a fucking nightmare, man. Really? Yeah. What What can they do? I mean, I, I know they, they have that idea to dig this giant pit and then have it f- surrounded with frozen cones. That already didn't work. That already failed. That failed? Yeah, the ice wall. It sounded like some Superman stuff. Yeah, yeah. like a fucking prison. <laughs> Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. <laughs> that failed. <laughs> it didn't work. Well, so, look, I mean, look at Chernobyl. They have this giant sarcophagus that's cracking. She was just telling me the other day that, um, you know, that the nuclear waste, even with working reactors, they just have to dig a pit and put a fucking sign on it with a skull and crossbones because they're like, well, in a million years, even though the radioactive energy will still be here, they're like, at least the future civilization here will know what a skull and crossbones is and they won't be able to dig up this waste. You're like, holy fuck, why are we dealing with an energy that we can't harness properly? Like, it's a miracle and it's magic, but clearly we don't know what the fuck we're doing with it. Well, you know what it, all it does is make steam. Yeah, that's what's so crazy. Yeah. When you see what it really just is. I thought that it did something like made electricity <laughs> with the nuclear something, the splitting atoms, and it just goes right through the wires and they're housing it in some giant fucking. It's just no, steam. they're making it's steam. steam. It's hot. It's hot as fuck. Like, couldn't they, like, uh, do that in a better way? (laughs) (laughs) Seems like a lot of ways to make steam. Can you just boil water? Can you guys fucking, what are you assholes doing? You guys are making some shit that you can never shut off, which is really crazy. Right next to a fault line, right next to the ocean. It's like, nothing can go wrong. Well, they're all over the place, too. Right. The really bizarre thing is when you drive down the California coast and you realize that we are on a fault. 
Right. Like California moves all the time. And then you go on the way to San Diego, this is fucking nuclear power plants. It's right there. Similar design, except very small difference. It's GE. It's a general electric design. And they have, we have 22 sister reactors here in the U.S. that are almost identical to the Fukushima ones. Well, the thing about the reactors that's super disturbing is people say, well, it's clean, it's efficient, it's mm-hmm. very it's very, you know, as far as like the access to the energy, it's very, very efficient. But once those things go bad, they're bad forever. So you have, as of now, there's only two spots, but those two spots are toast. Chernobyl and Fukushima are fucking toast. Those areas are fucked for a hundred thousand years. And then you have the storage of the nuclear waste from all the other places that are still operational. And you have this spot in Nevada where they have a fucking hole where Godzilla goes to eat his radioactive <laughs> energy when he lands here. I mean, what the fuck, man? You, you, this is only 100 years, less than 100 years of, nu- of splitting atoms, right? Nuclear bomb, 1945, and here we are in 2014. Less than 100 years of you guys doing this shit. And you already have two spots that are broken. You know, if you could look at the future and you look at all the potential spots to go wrong, like if we if we had a hot map where you you could, you know, everything that's blue is a, a nuclear reactor that's currently working and functional and you have the two red spots and then you look at all the potential for red spots, these blue ones to go bad, like, God, we're going to fuck up a huge percentage of the world with this power source. And I don't know a better method. But if I lived in California, which I do, and it never fucking gets cloudy, which it doesn't, I would say maybe that solar thing is something you guys want. Let's just try it. I mean, the thing is, it's not working. I think that we really do need to shut down all reactors. I know I've I've had someone on my show to talk about thorium. Still, there's a matter of the waste, even though it's a much smaller concentrated amount. It's still a problem. And, and yes, maybe we can harness it differently and more safely. But at the end of the day, like you said, is it worth the risk to fucking have this shit out there for a million years? Like, is it worth it? When we do have other sources, that's why Einstein, when we did split the atom, Einstein wrote this letter to the president and he was like, whoa, where did that Oops, come that from? that was me. <laughs> Accidentally. Um, but when, when they first saw the nuclear bomb go off on, on whatever the hell island it was that they saw the first explosion, you know, all they told them it was just to wear little sunglasses mm-hmm. out there. There's that yeah. photo of all of them. They like quoted Bhagavad Gita and they said, we've become death. Like, what have we done? Like the guy who like. Yeah, that's Oppenheimer. Yeah. You ever heard him yeah, talk? Yeah, yeah. It's so creepy when Oppenheimer says it. He, he quoted the Bhagavad Gita. He says, I am become death, destroyer of worlds. It's a really creep. Pull it up because it's 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 a really bizarre, because when you actually hear it from Oppenheimer's voice, when he, he talks about how he felt and you see his face, the regret, because he was a part of this thing. And that's not even nuclear energy. Right. That's right. nuclear bomb. Right. You know, he decided, you know, at that point in time that they had made a tremendous, tremendous mistake. And here we are, 2014, still our major source of electricity in the United States of America. Uh, Everyone should check out Untold History of the United States, um, because in it, I learned that Reagan, fucking asshole, (laughs) he was actually approached by Gorbachev to totally dismantle all of the nuclear weapons. Like, he was just like, look, 
it's done. Let's fucking close it all down. Right. And Reagan was like, no, because I'm senile and I believe in Star Wars and I think that we can create this giant space program and blah, blah, blah. And he just like said no. And I blame him, dude. He he had the chance. He had the golden ticket and he gave up on it, man. You want to talk about conspiracies. Have you ever looked in the Star Wars scientists that have mysteriously been murdered? No. Oh, good Lord. That's a weird one. <laughs> Here, Star Wars scientists. Yeah, if you do that, if you type that in, first thing that pumps up is deaths, conspiracy, wow. murdered. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, it's um, who killed all the British Star Wars scientists. And there's uh, a bunch of different websites no about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, uh, a real, it's, it's really fascinating how many people died and the Holy mysterious shit. deaths. Uh, all 25 workers on the United States Star Wars project were killed. What? Uh, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. They died in really weird ways. They died in plane crashes and all what? sorts of shit. Yeah. Dude, it's just like the SEAL Team All 25 six, workers in the United too. States Star Wars projects and the Stingray Torpedo projects, um, although the United Kingdom's Ministry of Defense still disputes these workers were connected to the Star Wars project, most workers died either having finished important projects or when they left for other employers. Several of those who died had routinely expressed fears for their safety. What? The manner of their deaths was also very curious, and despite... Open verdicts or verdicts of suicide in the postmortems. There were aspects uh, to their deaths that made these verdicts seem highly unlikely. One of the strangest deaths was that of Shanai Warren, a personal assistant for the company that was taken over by GEC Marconi. Uh, Shari was found drowned in 18 inches of water, gagged a noose around her neck, her feet bound, Clearly a suicide. and her hands bound behind her back. Mark, wow. Mark Weisner, a sophomore uh, software engineer for the MOD, was found dead with a plastic sack over his head and several feet of cling film wrapped around his head. This was deemed an accident by the coroner, <laughs> but was exactly the same way as Mark's colleague, Richard Poog, who met his untimely end uh, several weeks earlier. Uh, Ashard Sharif, uh, an experienced defense contractor, was found dead after placing a ligature around his neck, tying the other end around a tree, and driving off in his car with the accelerator pedal jammed down. The police felt this was a most unusual suicide method, but still no. deemed it a suicide. Wow. Yeah, he had last been seen in Bristol, um... Uh, a long way from his home, looking into a guest house using cash, and was witnessed by uh, with a large bag of money. These details, although uh, known to the police, were never mentioned in his inquest. There's a, a whole bunch of them. There's a whole bunch of these very that's mysterious, extremely disturbing. Yeah, it's fucking fascinating, man. It's fascinating how many of them died because apparently Star Wars was total horseshit. It right. was never going to work, and right. and they knew it from the jump. And all the scientists that were connected to it died. So all these people that could have been able to prove that these fuckers had just embezzled all this money <laughs> and had <laughs> used you know their defense contracts and spent all this cash, all the people connected to it that actually could prove the science behind it or disprove the science behind it are all dead. That's insane. Mm -hmm. That's when you know the CIA is up to some crazy shit. It's amazing.
Well, oh, it's man. like it kind of makes sense, right? You know, yeah. it, it's it, all about profit at the end of the day, man. It really is. Yeah. The story of Bertha Champagne. She was like the maid of Jeb Bush or Bo- or Bush Senior's family. Or I forget who. And she was found crushed with an empty car that, like, you know, someone had driven an empty car, backed up into the garage, and crushed her to death. And you're like, what did she know? <laughs> like, clearly she was killed. I mean, like, no one, an empty car just doesn't start and crush someone against the wall. This is so crazy. Yeah. Between 1982 and 1986, 23 deaths of English scientists that work on the Star insane. Wars related projects. Uh, Professor wow. Keith Bowden killed in an auto crash. Uh, Jack Wolfenden died in a glider accident. Ernest Brockway, suicide. Stephen Drinkwater, suicide by strangulation. Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Godley, missing, declared dead. George Frank, suicide by hanging. Stephen Oak, suicide by hanging. Jonathan Walsh, suicide by jumping from a building. Jonathan Britton, suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning. These are all within like a year or two no of each way. other. No Sarge Sharif, that guy that we talked about, placing the rope around his neck and driving off. This is crazy. It's just like the DC madam, that woman who came out and she was like, oh, I yeah. have all this shit that I'm going to say. And she's like, I'm never going to kill myself. And I can indict so many people. And all of a sudden she just killed herself. And everyone was like, oh, I guess she ended up killing herself. You're like, do you think that that's just a little bit strange? Yeah. DC madams. <laughs> those don't have a long life. Right. That's, yeah. That's, that, a, that's tough... a bad profession to get into. <laughs> yeah. You're going to take the most powerful murderers on the planet who essentially have all these men methods and they have these organizations that kill for them right i mean they have whether it's blackwater or whatever i mean if there is a blackwater please if there's fucking coca-cola there's rc cola exactly. okay there's some lower exactly. level organizations of mercenaries it's not like there's only blackwater you could only go to blackwater no there's probably some dudes that are really good at being a mercenary they know how to keep their fucking mouth shut <laughs> and they they don't go eric prince in the whole thing right. and and you know do press conferences and change their name three or four times they might even have a fucking name right you know you call, right. call mike you know and mike used to be a marine or a green beret or whatever and he he likes making fifty thousand dollars a week better you know exactly and so that, you, that guy works for you I mean, exactly gotta be a ton of those fucking people out there there's gotta be absolutely man some dc madam dc madam that bitch is dead she's fucking murdered bro and whatever happened to her, <laughs> her all of her notes and all of her, her no that's your gun she committed suicide yeah that's the official line if you question it you're an insane conspiracy theorist well you are an insane conspiracy theorist yeah. you have to admit i am you have to be if you are a conspiracy theorist, you're insane. If you in, if you look into any conspiracy, you're an insane conspiracy theorist. Which is crazy because conspiracies exist all the time on a local level. People yeah. conspire to kill their kids, like the that kid in the car, tragically, who the parents conspired oh, to like keep him in the car. So if conspiracies happen between parents to kill their children, why is it so fucking crazy to imagine that people at a higher level are conspiring stuff? Because it's the whole, they wouldn't be able to keep it secret, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we know that conspiracies exist. Look at fucking Wall Street. What is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Enron. Yeah, exactly. Look at Gulf of Tonkin. Right. Look at Operation Northwoods. Exactly. And look at the fucking the Bush administration was thinking about doing a false flag event to get us into Iran. Oh my God, I know. Oh my God, I know too. Oh my too. God. <laughs> Wait, that was what Dick Cheney said. What were they going to do? Like fly regret. a plane and like something nutty. with the yeah. That was yeah. uh, Operation Northwoods, where they were going to fly a plane and blow it up in the sky and blame it on the Cubans. Arm, Guanta- arm Cuban friendlies attack Guantanamo Bay. That was 62. And yeah. Kennedy went, what? M- yeah, Mick Bitch, Mara- are you crazy? Yeah, he was like, no, no, no. 
Yeah, that was signed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff, right. folks. That wasn't just like some idle chatter. Like they had signed off on that. Can we sit, talk about how stupid it is that we still like hate Cuba and have this blockade and siege on Cuba? What the fuck is Cuba doing to us? Very bizarre. Just a Cold War grudge. Like just let Cuba just live. How's like, Cuba worse than Saudi Arabia? I. It, there you go. Yeah, and not well. Not only are they super close, and they make great cigars, and the women <laughs> are really pretty. See, and they're great, great boxers and wrestlers, and they're right there. Yeah, and I want to go. Like, I think I'm just saying this selfishly. Like, I don't want to not be able to go to Cuba. I think it's just the stupidest thing in the world. Like, we demonize this country because we have this, you know, communist grudge shit against them. And they've, they're actually incorporating a lot of different techniques. Like, um, the Castro family is like, look, we admit that a lot of things have failed in terms of, like, the business side. And we're, like, being creative. We're opening ourselves up to, like, some capitalist elements. And I just... I just like appreciate the fact that they're learning from mistakes, reinventing the wheel. And I think that we just have a lot to learn. Like, I just think closing ourselves off from this tiny island nation is disgusting and it's absurd. And we still demonize them, you know? Well, they are definitely fucked up, though. I mean, their their whole country and their system of government and their system of forcing occupation on people it is pretty fucking creepy but it's how not, it's not great that we should but i mean this whole blockade i just think is a disgrace yeah. you know? it's not good for anybody no no and i think that who knows what it would be like if we lifted the blockade i don't know but it's just once again u.s and israel are the only two countries in the world to uphold the blockade mm-hmm. it's like just fucking let it go man well look what's going on with china who which was also an incredibly communist country you know and now they're really capitalist it's like really strange how things yeah, they are have like a little element shifting yeah you know, I think that Cuba is uh, it's, it's a very interesting place because, well, you remember when Jay-Z went to Cuba and he oh got in trouble? Oh, my God. And yeah. the media was like, oh, look it. Does he know that, that um, fucking Che hated black people? You're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what is going on? It was the weirdest Didn't Che Guevara coverage. die in like 1964 or something? When yeah. did Che Guevara die? And that's he also went over to Angola ago. and fought, like, the revolution in Africa. So it's like, I don't know if that's really true, but it's just so crazy. He was the perfect guy, though, to be on a T-shirt. He just looked like such a great revolutionary. <laughs> I know people that wore a Che Guevara T-shirt that didn't know jack shit about... Remember there was that wave of Che Guevara support that happened, like, like a decade ago or right. so? Like and no everybody one knew was really what they no, were talking about. It's like, you could look cool by having a Che Guevara T-shirt on. People had Che Guevara tattoos, and it's like, why? What What right. about Che? Right. It's fucking Viva la Resistance. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just like, look like the guy. And he would have hated it. I mean, like, the fact that he's become this commercial figure, it would have been like, he would have fucking hated that, you know? It's just funny that he's become this icon of, like, capitalism. <laughs> well, it's a perfect example of these, like, surface inquiries. Mm-hmm. Like, people just sort of look at it like, oh, that guy was badass. Right. <laughs> No, no, like looking into it at all. No trying to understand who he was or knowing like deeply about who he was. Yeah, this is like a baby. With even a though, Che Guevara. even though Cuba's <laughs> fucked up in a lot of ways, I, it's a different way to live. You know, like they don't have advertisements. They have old cars. It's kind of cool. They have these restored old cars driving around everywhere. Like if you see modern Cuba, they have these 1950s cars they're driving around, like these old Chevys and shit. It's really interesting. Yeah, I just want to go there and just learn because they they like don't use pesticides and shit. Because because of how closed off they are in a lot of ways, they've just adapted in a lot of interesting ways that I just think is it's fascinating. I think that we have you know. I know a lot of athletes that fleed Cuba. 
So unfortunately, I've seen the, the, the worst side of it, talking to people that lived in Cuba under the Castro regime, people that tried to flee, got caught, you know, were forced back and then escaped again. I mean, they, these fucking people got on boats and risked their lives. There had to be something horribly wrong with the, the, the conditions they were living in to force them to do that. But I would like to know if that's exacerbated by mm-hmm. these policies of not allowing trade. Right. You know, and who knows, like, if trade was opened up, trade and also the influence of foreigners coming in there and influencing the culture. Exactly. The tourists. Exactly. You know, I mean, I don't, you know. Yeah, we're, we're basically, like, forcing the society to be closed off. And who knows, like, if they weren't. You know, if we allowed the fiber lines to get the Internet and that's a, that's another problem is we don't even we've like blocked off the fiber optic like network from Cuba. Mm. So it's like let them have like Do the, they inter- have the like, Internet at all. They have like very limited Internet and probably just on Gitmo, the U.S. base there, AOL. which, by the way, I'm going there next week. I'm going You're to Guantanamo, going to Guantanamo Bay. Bay. Yeah. Holy. Isn't that weird? You can go to Cuba, but only right. the part of Cuba where it's a fucking jail. <laughs> and how much of it is just like a fuck you to the Cuban government? Just yeah. to be like, we're going to build like this torture base here. Yeah. What? Like, on, like, how did that happen? I don't, I don't it happened, obviously, in the 60s. It's a yeah, long time ago. They, they had that base there. The military base had been there for a long-ass fucking time. That was the Operation Northwoods. They were going to yeah. bomb Guantanamo Bay and blame it on the Cubans. Yeah, it is kind of fucked. Is that how they're allowed to torture people? We tortured some folks? <laughs> is that how they're allowed to do that because it's over there? I mean, can you torture people on American soil? How does um, that work? That's a good question. I think it's probably easier to absolve themselves of responsibility from doing it in Cuba. That's why we have CIA black sites in like port, like, um, you know, Poland and shit. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just like, as long as it's out of sight, out of mind. But what's so crazy to me about the Gitmo thing is the Bo Bergdahl saga, how they're like, we released the five worst of the worst. It's like, shit, if you release the five worst of the worst, then what about the other 120 innocent people that we yeah. already know are innocent? Like, why are they still in there? If it was so easy to release the five worst of the worst. Why won't they release those people? Because they're worried that they're going to go and say what happened to them? Or is it because they would have to admit that they were holding people that weren't really... I mean, once they do let them go, then they start talking, then they'd have to admit that there's probably a lot of other people that are also like that. Before I mean, the Bo Bergdahl thing i think that What's was the doll that thing? was the dude who was um like captured by the taliban and then they did a prisoner oh, swap five guys. yeah that dude yeah. yeah so he came back and then they gave those five dudes um and i think that really blew apart the whole logic of keeping these people in, in guantanamo bay because before that obama you know he got in office saying i'm going to close down gitmo and everyone blames the republicans for not letting him the truth is he could sign a national security waiver and release every single one today if he wanted to and the fact that he kept maintaining, well, you know, we can't trust Yemen to take these people back because Yemen can harbor terrorism and like they can become terrorists and then they can retaliate. And it's like, well, you trust Yemen to carry out drone strikes there. You're mm-hmm. like working with the Yemeni government in all these other fashions. And that's where we, they release these these dudes. Um, and I just think that we need to fucking get these people out of Gitmo because they're innocent. And I would rather take the chance of like having someone retaliate than to keep an innocent person in prison for the rest of their life with no charges. And my whole thing is if they're so bad, like those five worst of the worst guys, if they were so bad, how come we couldn't find anything to charge them with for 10 years? Like, mm-hmm. where was the charges? Where the hell? What what happened? You know? Well, I've seen some instances where people were released and they talked about what happened and how they got arrested in the first place. They just went to like organizations, they went to meetings, they 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 listened to someone speak and then they got locked into this idea of them being a part of this organization. 
Exactly. It's just like a gang. I mean, you. I think that we have these romanticized versions of what the Taliban and Al-Qaeda is. It's just essentially like a gang. Mm-hmm. And that if you are you know, like a, like a teenager and you're like living in this area, sometimes you are affiliated with a gang because it's how you fucking survive. Right, right. Or it's like how you want to provide money for your family or you do running errands because you don't want to fucking get killed or beat up. So all these loosely affiliated people with like these organizations, quote unquote terrorist organizations, that was like they were just swept up. And mm. those are the people who are just killed now with drones and stuff. And it's just really it's this really bizarre like interpretation of what these entities really are and how they operate. Um, it's just like coming from Oakland, like the, you know, gangs out in East Oakland. It's like if you're affiliated with them, are, do you deserve to die? Right. <laughs> and do you think that they can track those guys that they released, the five people that they released? Do you think they had some sort of a method? Like, my dog is a thing that they put under his skin, <laughs> you know, and every if he gets, you know, like they, they take this thing and if he gets picked up by the pound, they run a scan on him. And they go, oh, that's Joe's dog. The and mark then they of can, the beast. They can call me. You know, there's like a microchip in right. them. I would imagine that you could have some sort of a GPS tracking device that you could stick in someone's fucking scalp and they wouldn't even know it's there or wherever, you know, some some yeah. part of your body. Yeah. Who the hell knows, man? I just think these people need to be let out of prison. It's terrible. But if it's they so do terrible. let them out, they're going to be mad. They could cause havoc on U.S. soil. And then well, what? So far, you know what, man? So far, there hasn't been legitimate threat of terrorism. If you want to include 9-11 and the Boston bombing, other than that, zero. Like, this report just came out. We were just talking about this. This report just came out that says every single terrorist plot that's been thwarted in the last 12 years has been completely created by the FBI. And this is like mainstream news. Guardian, Independent, like all these people picked up yeah, on it. Yeah, explain how that works because it's really fascinating how they do this. So right now... The FBI has 5,000 informants working around the clock that are getting paid probably like 100 Gs with taxpayer money just so they can facilitate, create, and then thwart terrorist plots to completely continue to legitimize the domestic police state and the war abroad. So these people will go to mosques and they'll pray really immorally on like retarded people or like mentally incompetent people or extremely poor people and they'll say, yo, listen up. 250 fucking G's and they'll work with them for like a year like th- we're talking about like long con mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like a long ass yeah. con sometimes so the thing about you're getting paid you know an insane amount of money to do this on our behalf to basically manipulate people who are weak-minded into committing acts of terrorism that would never have the capabilities before and would never have even thought of it before but they go into these mosques and they go into all these organizations and they're like yo 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 like six months later they'll be like okay well you know, we can talk about how fucked up the U.S. government is and stuff, but let's do something about it, you know? And then, like, they'll trust these people. And then over time, if you're weak enough, you'll be like, well, fuck, like, let's do it, you know? I mean, it's just really sad. And to me, it's so sick because once they once they thwart the plot and then they can parade around the media and be like, yo, we... uh we foiled another terrorist plot. Like, look, we're still doing a good job, guys. But they don't tell you that they created the terrorist. And then, yeah. of course, they put in prison for the rest of their life. So it's another wasted life, wasted capacity, just put in fucking prison and just keeping up this facade, this charade that the, there's terrorists everywhere and that they want to blow us up. And it's all fucking bullshit, man. We're more likely to get stung by a bee. We're more likely to get crushed by falling furniture than we are dying of a terrorist attack in this country. Well, definitely stung by a bee. Shit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, dead from a bee sting. <laughs> dead. You're eight times more likely to get killed by a cop than you are 
dead from a terrorist here. So it's just like, it's totally insane. And this report just blew the lid off it. It it was just unbelievable knowing how much resources are going in. And then you see this whole terror watch list thing where 1.5 million people have been added to a terror watch list in the last five years. Just the last five years alone. 1.5 million Do you think you're on there? No, because I don't think I would have been able to fly out here. Oh, right. right, So I think that, but think about, I mean, you're telling me that 1.5 million people, and it's really making their lives a living hell because you need, flying is like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And a lot of these people's families are over and abroad and stuff. And what came out on top of that no-fly list thing was that the FBI is actually using the no-fly list as a tool to try to get more informants. So they will go to like Muslim dudes and be like, yo, you're on this no-fly list. You want to get off it? Become an informant turn against your community and because the people are saying no they're stuck on this list forever so now they're like using it as blackmail so there's like this huge class action lawsuit trying to like take these people off the list and it's it's a fucking mess man it's a mess it's a giant industry that story about the guy in dallas who was mentally incompetent who they talked into uh (laughs) trying to detonate a bomb that didn't exist it wasn't a bomb it was never gonna (laughs) blow up there was no bomb Uh, they 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 gave him a fake bomb it's like they, they talked him into doing it financed the whole thing funded it coerced this poor fuck into thinking he was going to blow up the bomb. And then when he tries to do it, then they swoop in. We gotcha. Red-handed. <laughs> America. <laughs> fuck America. yeah. There was even this one dude who worked at the mosque that actually turned in the informant to the FBI because they were like, there's some dude here like trying to like talk oh, a whole bunch of shit. And they're like, hilarious. oh, that kind of backfired on us. That's <laughs> us. Oh, don't worry about it. He's American. <laughs> what? He's one of us. He's a good American. <laughs> Just let him do his thing. Let him do his job. <laughs> He's there to protect America. Okay? Leave him alone. It's insane. Yeah, it's very bizarre. It's very it's it's very bizarre that they think that that's somehow or another law enforcement or protecting and serving. Like it's just a it's a loophole. It's the DEA uses that loophole too. There's a, there was a Rolling Stone story uh, story about a guy who was a dirty uh, DEA agent who would do those sort of things. Who would get someone who is very vulnerable and slowly but surely talk them into getting him drugs and then, you know, connecting them with a much larger drug dealer, wasn't really a drug dealer, Mm -hmm. and, like, organizing and manipulating him into some situation where he's going to show him how to make a fuckload of money, but there's no real drugs. Right. And so this guy conspires with them, and then they fucking, you're under arrest by me. Like, (laughs) use your idea. (laughs) What the fuck, man? How can you arrest me? I'm just trying to make some cash, yeah. I mean, you're manipulating people. It's it's total complete entrapment. Entrapment is so wrong. It's so wrong. And what's different than actual suicide bomber recruiters in the Middle East that we, like, condemn? They're doing the same exact thing man well we're doing it for freedom we're doing There's it for difference. freedom right we're under the constitution we have laws in this country that we don't really pay attention to anymore <laughs> yeah, i mean how much of the constitution is valid after the ndaa and you know and patriot act one and two what's left right we kind of can do anything right they can kind of just scoop you up and lock you up and you don't have to have a lawyer you don't it'd be, they can do whatever they want now they're charging animal rights activists with terrorism mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah there were these two kids charged with under the animal enterprise terrorism act and you're like i don't know if releasing geese from a farm could be considered <laughs> as terrorism well fogwa is delicious so fuck those kids <laughs> and geese are cunts i had a geese try to bite my baby geese. once they're assholes geese are disgusting they're dinosaurs all birds are dinosaurs that made it that's what they are <laughs> and now they're actually thinking that a good percentage of dinosaurs had feathers 
they're starting to find that now, which is really fascinating. Whoa. A lot of like raptors, like if they think oh. a lot of those fucking things had feathers. You know what? I almost don't like that because now it's going to make them look silly. If we like try to re- reshape how they really look, <laughs> we're like, oh, they don't look scary anymore. They're just like giant dodo birds. That's kind of funny. Well, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know, well, all the birds that we see yeah. today are essentially dinosaurs that survived. That's right. really what they are. We don't really have any Flying raptors. lizards, yeah. Yeah. And especially those the, those types of, you know, the birds with the claws, the talons, those chicken. weird feet. Yeah, chickens. I have chickens. I have 24 of them. No way. Yeah. I have a, you have I have a, little a ton farm? of chickens. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I get fresh eggs from them every That's day. That's awesome. But they're like, they're like pets, you know. Yeah. They're just these weird things that lay eggs that you eat. You know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. You go grab them, pick them up, and they'll you don't you. chop their heads off and like rip their body apart and Not, eat the meat. No, but I would. Yeah, if shit got crazy. Yeah, There's for sure. Twenty four of them that could live off those for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Storable food yeah. and twenty four yeah. chickens. Yeah, if shit got ugly, I'd eat my dog. I'm gonna be right. honest with you. Oh, kids hey. are starving. Hey, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I'd, I'd try to look for food, but you want to like, you want to see something gross? Pull up Aerial View Factory Farms. Um, I just want to show you this image that looks like a festering zombie wound, and it was oh. like this photographer that captured this image of, and it's only in the U.S., which is really like the craziest of the factory farming. Um, if you go on Google Image Searches, you can find it. It looks like a giant green festering wound, and it's really just like cows. I don't know, like millions of cows in middle America and all of their waste like accumulating to this lagoon. It's fucking nuts. Like there's that's one it. of them. And Whoa. if you yeah, if you enlarge that, that yeah. is that's that See all those dots? Yeah. Those are all cows to the left. What? And those lots and that's all like the waste. So what is that's all cow shit? I don't know what it is, man. That's a satellite image. I don't know what it is, a but a waste lagoon at Coronado Feeders in Texas. Find the green one too. Whoa. And unfortunately, um, there's a lot of activists who, you know, a lot of like animal rights activists, like my friend Will Ew. Potter. Look at that. Isn't that nuts? Ew, what is Isn't that? Isn't that crazy? <laughs> what does it say in the caption? That looks big. That's huge. Waste Lagoon in Texas. Ooh. Or a nuclear waste site. Or and a nuclear waste site? No, it's not a nuclear waste site. No, no, no. It's just making just it. Yeah, it's comparing. Yeah, it's comparing it to how gross it looks. But there's all these. Ugh. There's these laws now called ag gag laws yeah. where you can't even can't take photos of yeah. them. If you see the tortured you get animals, with, yeah. yeah, you get charged with terrorism. <laughs> Isn't that crazy hilarious? Is that? Yeah. If you find that, I mean, <laughs> look, what they do is horrifying. Right. They chop their chickens' beaks off when they're yeah. little to keep them from pecking each other because they're in such close quarters. They attack each other and. It's a disaster. Factory farming is horrific. It's terrible. What's well, one of the reasons I've tried to separate myself from that as much as humanly possible? I like I said, raised my own chickens. Yeah, I hunt. that's awesome. I hunt now. I've, Fuck yeah. I've killed four animals this year. Whoa! Do you like deer, do you like dismantle pig. the whole thing mm-hmm. too? That's yeah. cool. Yeah, I have a freezer full of meat, and I eat that. And my goal is by the wow. end of 2014 to only eat meat that I've hunted. Holy shit! Where are you hunting? I go on trips. Wow. Yeah, that Just... killed that deer. No way. The one right oh, there, the nuts. head. Oh, yeah. crazy. <laughs> that's pretty badass. I mean, if everyone knew where how food was made and where it came from, I think that we'd eat a lot differently, and I think people would view food a lot differently. It's just like we're so removed from the process of food, which is really crazy. Yeah. Well, when you see it in the wild and you shoot it yourself, I mean, that's an animal. That deer, that was an animal that I got in Montana that probably had never seen a person before right. because it was in the Badlands. That was off the Missouri River, the same place where Lewis and Clark uh, traveled. 
Whoa. Yeah, I mean, it is a very, very remote place. There's no it's cell phone reception, skull. no nothing. Yeah, it's pretty dope. It's a cool animal, too. And it tasted delicious. Good. No hormones, mm-hmm. no antibiotics, no nitrates, and we're out of time. No. Abby Martin, you're the shit. We did three hours. Wow. It's over. Damn, there's so much more to we, talk about. We turn into a pumpkin. So much more to talk about. <laughs> Tell me anytime, anytime. Awesome, you, dude. Like I said, I'll open this fucker up at four o'clock in the morning for you. Fuck yeah, dude. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you, man. Follow Abby on Twitter. It's, Check out uh, abbymartin.org, too. Abbymartin.org. Watch her on RT until she escapes and forms the <laughs> Abby Martin experience. <laughs> And uh, thanks to our sponsor. Thanks to Ting. Go to rogan.ting.com and uh, save yourself 25 bucks off of any Ting device. All right. We'll be back next week with uh, uh, a lot of more podcasts. So until then, go fuck yourselves. Big kiss. <laughs> 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 that was so bad.